Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 18th, 2016. I am back once again to play Sam the Fantasy Buddha, and I'm here with Shaka to break down week six. Shaka, how you doing? Uh, I'd be doing better if the Jets actually had a quarterback. I oh god, dude. Let's let's start right there. Let's just recount the bloodbath that was last night. Tell me what you're feeling right now. How are you? Well, it's a dark day when I'm considering Geno Smith oh. as deserving of a chance to play quarterback for the New York Football Jets. Oh. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has had more than enough chances. He's we've seen enough of him this season. He's got five touchdowns. Got eleven picks. He likes to throw those picks, especially in scoring situations for the Jets, which is about as much of a kick in the nuts as a human being can take. <laughs> so it's uh, it, it's starting to wear on my soul a little bit. Whereas this way, let's just let's just call it what it is. The Jets season is pretty much a wash at this point. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I would, I mean, all things considered, that conference where the Bills are actually winning games, the yeah. Patriots and the Patriots. It's pretty much a done deal. The the division's locked up at this point. It's just a real shame. The Jets, I mean, listen, they came out with some optimism. They had some firepower, but the last couple of games, it's like they couldn't make it through this stretch of tough teams and tough defenses. I... And, and and Fitzpatrick, which I'm going to be honest, I met a guy over this past weekend who gave me a new nickname for Fitzpatrick. He calls him Shitzpatrick. I've heard it. I've I, uh, heard that one. I think it's appropriate. Um, I mean, they couldn't do anything. He, his, his play has declined. Um, they can't get the run game going at all because they end up getting behind in all of these games. And... I think one of the most the one of the biggest indictments last night in this Monday night football game was listen, I think we've recognized that Darrell Revis and the secondary is clearly hurting and not what they were before, but there was a little bit of confidence in their run defense. And then last night, David Johnson ran all over the Jets run defense and it was embarrassing. I I I wanna kind of credit some of that on the strength of the David Johnson. There were a lot of big holes. Yeah, the Arizona's offensive line opened up. Yeah, gave especially that one big sixty-yard run where he just absolutely took off, and it was nothing. It it, it was pretty much it was a crushing, crushing run. I mean that game, that run was magic. I watched it real time. I saw him slip a few tackles, and then he just outran the last couple of tackles, and it was just wow. This guy is really, really good. Fun to watch him run, just not fun to watch him do it to my Jets. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. He really touched on it, though. I think when you where he said it, the defense, defense is really I mean, they're, they're doing their best. There's only so much you can do when your quarterback is getting you third and outs, or you know, getting off the field so quickly that you guys barely have a chance to catch your breath. Now you we go back out there and take a beating from the Cardinals. We did see Geno Smith at the end of the game. I mean, I think it was the the game was clearly out of reach, and and they threw him out there to to just play up some garbage time. And now, I mean, now there's there's some rumblings coming out of the Jets camp saying that they're they're not the coaching staff is not fully behind Fitzpatrick anymore. So let's say for argument's sake, Shaka, they go with Geno Smith. What? What do you take from that? Do you think that there's any way, maybe they can't save the season, but do you think that there's some optimism for Geno Smith, or do you think this is really, let's ride out this season and start talking about drafting another quarterback, or going for the, you know, who who was the guy they drafted, Mecklenburg? 
Christian Hackenberg. Hackenberg, thank you. And, you know, is, is he sort of the answer? Like, what do you think the future of the quarterback situation is for the Jets right now? Well, if we start at the bottom of the rung, uh, I think the general consensus is that Hackenberg is kind of a project quarterback. Okay. Uh, he's really, he's almost like a Paxton Lynch where mm-hmm. they're going to, he's just really not ready for the big leagues and they're going to kind of just season him and hopefully that he turns into something that long-term is a good investment. So he's really an unknown quantity at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the Jets have four quarterbacks in the roster. I'm trying to remember who the, the number three quarterback is, is. Is it still Bryce Petty? It is Bryce Petty. You're right. Bryce Petty didn't even get a look um, last night. And Gino, Gino came in for a series. Uh, I think he was... He threw he threw a couple he had a couple nice passes but he pretty much had a, a Geno Smith series where he held the football for too long. Yeah. When he finally let it go, he threw a pick. Yeah. And he also had a fumble as well. So I I really at this point there's it's kind of a consensus in New York that it's really you don't have anything to lose because everything's already lost that you know is worth attaining. Mm-hmm. So they really want to kind of get Geno Smith out there with this offense. It's really rough too because Eric Decker is. He's pretty much done for the season. Yeah. I think he already had hip surgery. He's yeah. going to have rotator cuff surgery. So he's done. He may be done for part of 2017 as well. That's what I read as well. Jeez. So it's 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 rough going right now for the Jets. So they're kind of trying to test everything out. They also brought out Sharon Peak, mm-hmm. who was mm-hmm. one, of their draft, uh, one of their draft picks from the same year, um, who had a pretty decent game. Yeah. But I think a lot of things right now are basically in the, uh, the test mode. They're, they're experimenting. They're trying to find something that works, something that kind of uh, puts a silver lining out there for the future. From a fantasy perspective, the only guy that I see with any real value is Brandon Marshall. Do you, I mean, Matt Forte has kind of, you know, just the the, the poor performance of the offense as a whole is hur- is hurting Forte's production. Do you feel confident about any of the other Jets aside from uh, Brandon Marshall? At this point, we, I think we feel like Quincy Noon was not really peaked. No. But he hasn't really shown us anything in terms of explosiveness. He's kind of a possession receiver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he'll give you he'll give you solid numbers, but they might not be enough to kind of put your fantasy team over the edge. So at this point, Brandon Marshall still the number one, still kind of a monster in his own. He gets open. You just got to throw it to him. So Brandon Marshall's probably the only viable. I would like to see Matt Forte at this point, but just the way the Jets' offense is running. He gets pulled out of the game too early to be a factor. Now, the last thing I'm going to mention before we talk about the Cardinals is Bilal Powell. He's been getting into the mix more, or at least they've they've been feeding him a little bit more. And I've noticed that in a in a small, you know, little teeny PPR format, he gets some catches out of the backfield. He's not putting up big numbers, but I think if you're if you're scrounging the bottom of the barrel, Bilal Powell can be a nice PPR pickup. I'm just throwing that out there. I would like to agree with you, but I actually think you can probably, there, there's so many two running back committees out there, you might actually be able to find something a little better. Uh, Blanc Powell does get a lot more catches out of the backfield than the other Jets running backs. Mm-hmm. But it, I think just really the way the offense is, they're kind of desperate for, uh, he's more of a check down back. And I think um, just the way the offense is running right now, we may see more of him with Geno Smith at quarterback just to kind of keep him from, throwing into too much coverage, mm-hmm. but this is going to, I would say, to hold off on any Jets prospects for now until we see just exactly what kind of offense 
offensive package the Jets roll out. I hear you. I hear you. Now, the Cardinals, clearly David Johnson's running all over the place. He's magic. I mean, he's he's a genie in a bottle, baby, all over the, all over the field. But one of the things I want to highlight is, listen, I know that the Cardinals have come off of two wins. They had that Drew Stanton Thursday night win against the woeful Niners, and then they had this win last night against the Jets. I still have some trepidation about their passing game. Carson Palmer... Larry, like, I think Fitzgerald gets his. He finds a way to get into the mix. Carson Palmer does put up numbers, but I still don't have the confidence that Palmer in that passing game is going to put up the same kind of fantasy numbers that they did last year where it was really explosive. And I still kind of feel like David Johnson is really the only true blue chip on this Cardinals offense. What do you think about that, Shaka? I'd still tell you to give faith, obviously, to Larry Fitzgerald because he'll still give you in a PPR format. He'll still give you a great performance. Uh, I think they're really trying to work Malcolm Floyd back into the offense as like either a complimentary to Fitzgerald or the number one. That was, I think, the idea last year. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he just faded into non-existence this season. John Brown, uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry, there's two Browns on that team. There's a Jaron Brown and a John Brown wide receiver. John Brown is their big home run threat guy who I think, you know, he's kind of a big pay, you know, if he hits and you might get absolutely nothing from him. He had Mm -hmm. a pretty decent game against the Jets. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I would say, uh, wait one more week. Definitely you can always play, I play Larry Fitzgerald every week. Yeah, yeah. Just on the strength of him in the red zone. He's Mr. Surehands and he's probably always going to get you a touchdown he's in the red zone. I agree with you there. Everyone else, everyone else, I'd say, Give the Cardinals' uh, offense another chance. Carson Palmer is still a good quarterback. He didn't have a stellar game against the Jets. He had a competent game. Yeah. But uh, they've just got the potential to just to just bust it out on anybody. So I uh, can't ever count him out. Yeah. I uh, Okay, that's some good points. I got Carson Palmer on a couple of my teams, so it's, it feels good to have some words of encouragement because I'm getting a little, little panicked myself. Um, let's get away from this game. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about my Eagles losing to the Redskins. That's right. Both of our teams lost this week, Shaka. And I want to, okay, I want to give you a couple of first takes on this Eagles-Redskins game, Shaka, if you're ready for it. Are you ready for it? Please. Be my guest. Little piece of news that came out, which might not fly high on the radar, is that the right tackle, all-pro right tackle Lane Johnson, appealed this 10-game suspension, and he lost his appeal, and he officially was suspended for 10 games. Okay. The Eagles bring in rookie Halapui Vitae to play right tackle in his place. Holy fucking shit, Shaka. I watched this guy single-handedly lose the game for the Eagles. I can't make this up. It was the first time in my life where I sat there and watched one player on a screen of 12 players, and I saw this one guy's play ripple effect across the entire offense. Ryan Kerrigan was chewing him up and spitting him out like it was his fucking job. He blew up Vitae so many times. And as soon, and now, let's be clear here. As soon as he blows up the right tackle, Kerrigan gets in the backfield. He screws up Carson Wentz's timing. The running backs couldn't run. He would, he would tackle guys in the backfield. The, the pass plays had no time to develop. I saw multiple drives, which were all shattered simply by this one right tackle just being a rookie and not being ready for prime time. It was amazing. I, that was, I had, that's my first first take. I want to hear your thoughts about this game. Is there anything you saw? Well, it's a good point. I think this is the first time we've seen 
Carson Wentz actually faced a little adversity in terms of uh, the pass rush. Yes. Yeah, uh, Kerrigan, you're absolutely right, was the number one guy. I think altogether the Redskins, the Redskins had five sacks. Yes. I mean, they had a couple tackles for losses, they, and they really just hurried him. He did not look comfortable nope. in the pocket for the first time. Yep. Uh, he didn't throw any touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He only completed about maybe half his passes this season. My personal and opinion is this wrong. is all because of this right tackle. The, the, this guy couldn't do his job, and it was the first time where instead of having a clean pocket, Instead of having time for all of his plays to get put together and develop, he didn't. He had to scramble. He had to improvise. He had to make quick throws. He had, and a lot of his throws were too high. They didn't go to the right places. And let me tell you something else, Shaka. There was a whole quarter of the game where the Eagles' offense wasn't on the field because back-to-back, you had a kickoff return touchdown by the Eagles, yeah. and then you had a pick-six by the Eagles, which was fantastic because it tied the game. But then it also took the Eagles' offense off the field. So from a fantasy perspective, all of their offensive players did jack shit for about half the game. <laughs> it kept them in the game, but unfortunately, it just I, they just really did not have an answer for the Redskins' defense. They just swarmed them all day. Yeah. And now, i got to mention, the other storyline of this game was the Eagles' defense not being able to stop the Redskins' run the Redskins oh. ran all over the Eagles like they were Swiss cheese, man. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they came out with a good game plan. I think it was just divisional rivalry, man. Divisional games, you don't know what you're getting. Everything up. And, I mean, I, I, Matt Jones ran all over him. And Matt Jones has not been running all over people. You feel me? Matt Jones has the potential, but you're right. He really hasn't done it to anyone quite that much this season. But you're right. The, the Eagles defense was not present for duty. No. Yeah, it was one defender, maybe the running back saw one defender, and he was gone. Matt Jones looked like a stud out there. Yeah. And you and I both know Matt Jones is not... Listen, he's been good. He hasn't been that good. He's fumbled from as well, you know. So that was kind of waiting for one of those to, to just turn up. But amazingly, I, the Redskins looked like a, a functional team. You know, this is amazing because I, listen, football, it's it's so just, things change so quickly because coming into this season, before Romo was hurt, I thought the Cowboys were going to march back up to the top of the division. I thought the Giants would be back down in the toilet. I thought the Redskins would struggle. And now, it's like everything's back to normal. The, the, the Cowboys are marching ahead with their rookies. The Giants look good the first two weeks. Now they're back in the toilet. The Redskins look like crap for the first two weeks. Now they're on a four-game winning streak, and they're competing with the, the, the Cowboys to take the division. And the Eagles are starting to look more like amateurs again. What the hell's going on? I think there's still a lot left, obviously, going on. Uh, Carson Wentz, he's going he's to have a bad game. It was bound to happen yeah. in particular. You know, again, the first time he's had to face some real adversity. Mm-hmm. So it was expected. Kirk Cousins, you know, besides that idiotic pick six, mm-hmm. he had a solid performance. He, he looked did. confident out there. He looked he good. And even without uh, Jordan Reed to kind of uh, bolster his numbers, his other guys showed up. Eric Garçon showed up. Deshaun Jackson showed up. Jameson Crowder looked solid. Yeah. Vernon Davis filling in for Jordan Reed. You know, everyone... Everyone showed up, all hands were on deck, and it, it, they pulled this one out, and the defense really kind of tempered everything. So every once in a while, you know what? Things are going to work for them, amazingly. Uh, two more questions before we get away from this, or three more questions. Number one, are you worried? Any Like, Do you have any trepidation about the Eagles' offensive studs right now? Do you have any 
different feelings about the Redskins offense right now? And lastly, is Vernon Davis the guy who's going to sort of take over for Jordan Reed? Because now Jordan Reed, this is like his fifth or sixth concussion. He might be gone for a prolonged period of time. Do you think Vernon Davis is like a stash? What do you think about those three questions, Shaka? Well, definitely, we'll start off with the uh, Redskins. I really am concerned about Jordan Reed's uh, concussion status. He, he's, he's probably, it's debatable to say he might be the best tight end in fantasy when he's healthy, mm-hmm. which has really been only about half the time. He had the same problem last year. Mm-hmm. When, when he showed up, he was an absolute stud. And the next week, you know, he's entering the concussion protocol. So, yeah. I, you know, Vernon Davis looks pretty good. He had a couple big plays. He only had two catches, mind you. But they were both big plays for nice. the Redskins offense. So, Vernon Davis, right at this point, for Washington, looks like a viable candidate for, you know, the replacement. They really don't have anyone else for the tight end position. And they, they do need, I think Kirk Cousins feels more comfortable having a solid tight end that he can throw to. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say moving forward, if the Redskins can kind of keep this offense rolling, uh, having Vernon Davis as part of the offense. And Vernon Davis is a pro bowler. You know, the yeah. guy put up fantastic numbers in San Francisco, so he's not, you know, just some random guy they're plugging in. He can play. Yeah. So uh, he's someone to put on your watch list for sure. If you're having tight end trouble, I'd say pick him up. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely someone to keep an eye on moving forward. Now, what about the Redskins offense or the Eagles offense? Do you feel differently about any of them now? Or do you feel like, you know, y- you saw what, y- you know, everything's the same. Jordan Matthews still a stud. You know, uh, Ryan Matthews still the man. Carson Wentz is going to bounce back. I mean, any anything that jumped out at you? I think Wentz will bounce back. I'm a little concerned more about the Eagles' running running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, Ryan Matthews, he had a pretty good day on the ground. They really, I feel like they don't give him enough carries. One, I don't know if they have injury concerns, mm-hmm. but it, it's just I, I think consistency is very big in helping kind of establish a run game for any team. And you can look across, I think this week is probably a great example of having a consistent running back and what it does for kind of tempering the offense. Matt Jones, on the other side, obviously had a big day. And there there were a couple guys this week who just really blew up just from having LaShawn McCoy, Mm -hmm. J.H.I. But it's a bunch of guys, you know, just having one set guy at the starting running back position. And I really don't feel that way about the Eagles rushing attack. Yeah. Ryan Matthews might be named the starter, but he does not feel like the running back for the Eagles. And yeah. Moving forward, they kind of need to establish that and get him more involved in the offense. I hear you. I hear you. Establish a little bit more clarity in that backfield, man. It'll help everything on the offense. Um, you want to get away from this game? Yeah, let's move. Let's jump to Thursday night football. Broncos, Chargers. Chargers upset the Broncos at home. I think this shocked just about everybody. The biggest takeaway I had for me was how good the Chargers' defense looked. I don't believe that's going to happen any other time this year, but damn it, it looked pretty good against the Broncos at home. Um, I have a few takeaways. What what were some of your early takeaways from this game? Anything jump out at you, Shaka? Trevor Simeon, just this offense is stagnant. Yes. Let's give some credit to the San Diego Chargers defense. Yes. They did play really, really well out there. Really well. Trevor Simeon had 50 pass attempts. Yes. And they put up. I think well, they put up 13 points. Yes. And this it, this is also coupled funny. with they had a they had a missed field goal. Uh, they had a fumble. I mean, they were really looking fairly pitiful. And he threw the ball 50 times, and he only threw 230 passing yards. That's a lot of dink and dunk. 
they looked anemic, uh, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. It, Running game it, was bad, too. Joey Bosa, to his credit, was a savage out there. He he, he got a, he got in the, the backfield a couple times, but it just, Trevor Simeon, he's got so much talent on that on that offensive line and just, He's got great running back. Yep. Two actually great running backs. Booker looks fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. But they just could not put it together against the Chargers, which is strange. Everyone's beaten up on the Chargers defense. I mean, so, I, th- I think this was a divisional rivalry. I think this was a divisional game straight up. This was, you know, you're coming into foreign territory. This is Eagles-Redskins all over again. You, you Just when you got two divisional uh, rivals, you, you never know what's going to happen. I mean... San Diego still made mistakes. You still had an awful, awful fumble by Travis Benjamin, which yeah. set up the Broncos for their first score of the game. But it was still, you know, the, the Chargers had so much going for him, and you nailed it. Joey Bosa, all of a sudden, it looks pretty good to have him, you know, hold out as long as he did because he's a bit of a force on that defense. But I, I don't feel any differently about these teams. Like, I don't think the Chargers' D is good, and I also don't think that the Broncos are going to be this way forever. Like... You know, I, I still feel confident starting Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders next week. You know what I mean? Right. I will say this. I mean, you can really kind of tell the difference in that Broncos. Just the defense is not as dominating as it is when you have DeMarcus Ware on the field as well. Yeah. No, that's and a he, very good point. He's been out for about three or four weeks now, and it's really they, – they, they, they've taken a hit in terms of uh, teams actually putting up points on them. Yep. I think it's really they're starting to look a little immortal. They're looking a little pedestrian. No, I so I'm sure they'll agree. be super happy when he comes back. I think he's actually coming back soon. If he's not back for the next game, he's going to be back pretty soon, I think. Well, they're going to so need him they, as soon as possible. They could really use a boost right now. Um, anything else that, uh, that you took away from this game? Is there any like uh, any new Chargers wide receivers? I feel like they always seem to show up. It's like, oh, now we got this guy. But uh, Well, we talked about this guy last week, and I did say look for him to have a solid game. Hunter, Hunter Henry, Henry, the tight end. I like the kid, man. He looks like he's, he's settling in well as the heir apparent to Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates, I love to death, but he... His age is short. This, I, I hope this is his last year. I hope he retires after this. I mean, it's... It's, it's time. It's amazing if he doesn't, because he's just... I don't I don't know how he keeps coming back. I thought he was going to retire four <laughs> years ago. You and me both. I, he actually was pretty good at points last year. I had him on my fantasy team. He had a couple pretty great games, a couple two-touchdown games. But this year, he's, he, he's lost the step for sure, and he just doesn't get open, and he just doesn't have that kind of dominating, you can't stop me from catching the football feel that Antonio Gates always had. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Henry, on the other hand, is, is pretty much filling that role. He... He's look, he looked sharp. He had a couple really nice catches. He was open, wide open a few times. And mm-hmm. a couple times, it was once in the end zone where he threaded the needle and he beat his defender easily for the touch. So I, I like Hunter Henry. And if you're having tight end problems, I would definitely take a look at him. I was looking at him for sure. I was really kind of weighing my options and trying to see if I should even pick him up. So I'm pretty stacked in the tight end position. So you should take a good look at Hunter Henry. I think he's, he's actually going to be here to stay in terms of consistency. Well, uh, I'm certainly going to follow your lead because I got a couple of teams with uh, with some sucky tight end positions, and I think I could go for a tight end. I'll see if I can scrounge Hunter Henry on any of those leagues if he's still on the waiver wire. Um, you want to get away from this game? Let's get away from this game. Yeah. Let's jump to Cowboys and Packers. Uh, my first takeaway from this game should be the fact that Ezekiel Elliott is the fucking man, but really my first takeaway is the fact that the Packers are terrible. 
What are I your takeaways? Shaka, give it to me. Tell me what you see. I'm hesitant to say it. Aaron Rodgers doesn't look bad. It, there's something, you're right, there's something not quite there. There's something amiss. But I'm not 100% on board. I'm still not panicking too much about the Packers. They're 3-2. and two. Mm-hmm. They're 3-2. and two. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's still kind of right to shift. The running game looks okay. Uh, Eddie Lacy actually looked pretty damn good out there. I wish mm-hmm. he got some more carries to kind of pound it. So that Cowboys, which, by the way, Cowboys defense looked really fucking good. Really in good. In my opinion. Really good. Really good. They got, they got turnovers, which was the big, I think that was really what changed the game. Yeah. The, the amount of turnovers that they were able to force. Yes. Really kept the ball in the Cowboys' hands. And Dad Prescott looked. Dude, he, he looks, looks, like he looks great. I mean, he looks like a seasoned veteran right now. It, it was really, again, everyone's been looking at his numbers now. He's 31 for 42. 294 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Yeah. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't it, terrible. It wasn't terrible. It just feels like the whole offense is out of sync. It just feels like a lot of their passes, a lot of their connections, you know, it, it seems like a good defense that, that interrupts their timing just enough is enough to sort of get underneath their skin and interrupt everything that they're doing. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I think you're right. They actually had a couple guys. I'm looking right now. Um, Ty Montgomery showed up. Who, who? Ty Montgomery had a great game and then had a horrible fumble, too. Yes, he had a big fumble towards the end there. Um, Jordy Nelson, I, I don't know. He he doesn't look quite the same. He doesn't have the same... That was really, I think, well, is still the biggest X factor in every Packers game is Jordy Nelson's ability to get open to have just big games and really just kind of pull Aaron Rodgers' ass out the fire. And he hasn't mm-hmm. been at this year, mm-hmm. which is kind of telling, uh, obviously, because they're not really, they're not getting over the hump. No. And, again, I, mean, I, I think uh, this is factor in the Cowboys' everything. Yes. Passing game, the running game, everything looked fucking well-oiled and smooth. They, yes. They destroyed them on the ground. The, was, the Cowboys... I mean, they look like a team possessed. Ezekiel Elliott is running over everything. And it's this point now where you know he's going to come run at you and they still can't stop him. And Prescott is using that ability. I mean, Prescott is like a, he's like a mini version of Russell Wilson, you know? The threat of him running, the threat of him passing is creating more holes for Ezekiel Elliott. It's creating more opportunities for Prescott to work in the pocket. And it's getting everybody more comfortable with the rookie tandem. And then you pile on the fact that Rod Malinelli is coaching this defense, you know, better than they are. They're all being coached up. All of these players are the same guys that were there last year. There's really not many different faces, and they're just so... They're performing better than anybody expected them. The shocking thing was to see that defense really just hamper the Packers. They were stifling. I was shocked at how much trouble the Packers had at moving the ball. I I couldn't believe it. No, you're absolutely right. They really carried them. They had a couple of tackles for losses just to really... They just really stymied... You know, any kind of momentum that the Packers were starting to build up, just forcing the punt, it was it, it's crazy to watch. And they forced fumbles, which is huge. I think the, the Packers had about four or five fumbles, but just literally, just continually knocked the wind out of their sails. They could get nothing really going here. So I mean, it, Aaron Rodgers. amazing, yeah. Aaron Rodgers had a really awful fumble in the red zone. It, it, yeah, oh my gosh. It, it was really hard to watch. It was every time they would start to kind of mount. This uh, front, 
the Cowboys will come and just knock them right down. So yeah. this is why I'm saying I, I don't think the Packers are completely out of it, but there's just something a little bit off. The the normal kind of uh, swagger that they usually have is kind of gone. Yeah, the, the swagger. That's actually a better word. It's it's not quite there. There's something off, and I don't know if they need a pep talk or if they just need to go out there and just absolutely just destroy a fucking team. I'm, to get their mojo back. I mean, listen, they got a Thursday night game at home against the Bears. That Maybe that's all they need. <laughs> I mean, it just as long as the Bears don't give them a run for their money. Yeah, well, I, I have a feeling they're going to slaughter the Bears. But, uh, you know, they're good at slaughtering bad teams. What's scary now is they, they're having trouble competing against good teams. This Cowboys team is pretty good. And I think the Packers would have made quite a statement if they came in and smacked them in the mouth. But they didn't. And now it's sort of like, ew, what the hell's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Um, one last thing before we get away from this game, Cowboys are doing all of this without Tony Romo and without Des Bryant and Cole Beasley, I think is, is really, I mean, he's, he's hot, man. He's, you gotta, if you've got a PPR format at the very least, I think you need to be stashing Cole Beasley if he's on your waiver wire. Do you agree? I was a little bit skeptical last week cause I, you know, I still felt like Des Bryant was going to come back and kind of steal the thunder. But this kid Cole Beasley's a fighter, man. Yeah, he's just not—he's not going down quietly, and he—he he looks to be a favorite target yep. for, uh, for 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 Dak Prescott. Yeah, man. So, I think um, I think I think he's the real deal. Stick where the chemistry is. That's what the hey man. If they're working, if they like each other, keep it going. Go pick him up. Go get the fantasy points. Uh, I think even when Bryant comes back, we can expect that they're going to have a couple sets where they get they try to get Cole Beasley involved. I agree. I totally agree. I think Cole Beasley's stock is definitely rising. Um, let's move on. Let's get to the next game. Next one I have on the docket is the Falcons losing a close one to the Seattle Seahawks. This was a hell of a game. I think both teams both teams are completely legit. Seahawks came out in the beginning of the game, took a fast, big, early lead, dominated the game. But one of the biggest stories was how after after halftime, third quarter, Falcons came out and put a whooping on the Seahawks, scored three big, long touchdowns, and essentially took the lead. And then, you know, if it wasn't for that, you know, horrible no-call pass interference on Julio Jones, this Falcons team could have won. Um, yeah. What are some of your takeaways from this game, Shaka? I mean, you can definitely see the uh, the Seattle defense was a little bit irked. They were yes. fighting amongst each other. Yes. In the second half, you could see on the sidelines because the guys missing assignments. They were a couple times in. The Falcons were so fucking wide open. Wow. They like built a house. Mm-hmm. You know, installed a pool. There was just so much time. <laughs> There's so much time that Matt Ryan had to throw the guys out there. It was amazing. So I don't know what happened. The miscommunications or the breakdown. In the second half, but they basically opened the door and let the Falcons like pass their way back into this game. I have a suspicion that may, now we know the Falcons' coach is Dan Quinn, former defensive coordinator of the Seahawks. Maybe there was a little bit of like you know, I used to coach yeah, these man. guys. I know exactly how to sort of figure out what their weaknesses are. Type situation, um, you know, and coupled with the fact that. Atlanta's so good right now. They are so good. They're legit. Yeah. They're back. They've got a good defense. They've got a good offense. I mean, you cannot take this team for granted anymore. And, I mean, we were saying before, I think Matt Ryan is matchup proof. I mean, he threw 300 yards and three touchdowns against the Legion of Boom. Yeah, he did it. He, he put a beat in on the, uh, on the Broncos defense, and he came back now, and he's done on the Legion of Boom. Three touchdowns, one pick. I, you know, he, he, he looks like... 
maybe the MVP candidate to beat right now. Yeah, yeah. In the NFL. Just, he's just that good. And, of course, you got Julio Jones to throw to. Dude. A man amongst boys every time. Dude. The, and, and he was quiet in the first half. Didn't matter. Second half, he came out and was bonkers, man. I think it's me sometimes, but I look at him, and he just looks so much bigger than everyone else on the field. It, I, I keep having – I feel like I go and I look at his height every single time I see, like, the highlights and just go, how big is he? Dude, he's only 6'3", but he looks so much bigger. I, I don't agree with any of the, the, the heights and weight. That, that guy is seven foot eight, six 650 pounds. <laughs> he's huge. He's like – it's like a small fairy tale giant just playing with a whole bunch of humans. He's just a, he's probably in terms of a physical specimen at the wide receiver position. We haven't, even Randy Moss was big and tall. Julia Jones is big, tall, he's fast, and he just looks like he can just mush you right to the ground every time. God. So, I, I mean, Matt Ryan, you're, you're a lucky man. You got to throw to him. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what the hell went wrong the last couple of seasons when he had Julio Jones. It's like, dude, haven't just go throw it out there and tell him to go get it. I think they finally realized that's just what we need to do. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's all clicking now. So they look really good. Um, besides that, Devontae Freeman didn't have a nope. a crazy game. Run game really. D- the the Falcons, the run Freeman and, and Coleman didn't do much in this game at all. It's just to be expected because you know the the Seahawks are really rough and tough against the run. Mm-hmm. So it, it was all through the air, and you know Matt Ryan delivered. Yeah, uh, Christian Michael or Christine Michael, whatever his name is, he's still good. He's still hot. I still think, you know, he's legit. I think he's going to be a great fantasy running back for the whole season if he doesn't get hurt, knock on wood. Um, they can't afford it right now. No, they cannot. I think Jimmy Graham is, it's it's on. It's legit. He's for real. You can feel oh, yeah. good starting him now. There were a couple plays, I mean, just perfectly placed, and he just looks, again, he looks in the same Julio Jones vein where it's just like, you can throw anything to me. I can't be stopped. Yeah. And and that he is. He only got nine targets, but you know, I I feel like they could have gone to him a little bit more. They still won, but to just Jimmy Graham, like healthy and on the field, is just a force. And he's coming on strong at the right time. The fact that he's got this chemistry clicking with Wilson now, I mean, it's just dangerous. The last thing I want to mention before we move off this game, Russell Wilson. Okay, he had a listen. He had a he had a decent game. It was comparable. No touchdowns, no picks. He threw two hundred and some odd yards. But you know, aside from and sorry, Shaka, aside from his amazing game against your Jets, hasn't really done anything exciting from a fantasy football perspective. From a fantasy perspective, are you trying to find some type of a backup or alternate option if you have Russell Wilson as your starting quarterback? What do you think? Well. I kind of remember last year. I actually had Russell Wilson as my quarterback last year. I have him this year as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember vaguely he had a really slow start to last season. He wasn't really putting up big numbers touchdown-wise. He mm-hmm. wasn't turning the ball over too much. But the second half, he absolutely lit everybody up. He was oh. throwing, I think, two or three touchdowns a game. Him and Doug Baldwin had like some kind of psychic connection. <laughs> so I, I think I think when it comes down to it, I think he'll he'll heat up at the right time. And right now, I think they're okay. They're getting wins, and yeah. Russell is just a winner. When it comes down to it, and they need him to throw a touchdown, the man can do it. They haven't needed it yet. They haven't really called in it. Christian Michael had those two um, touchdowns in the red zone, but mm-hmm. I guarantee... Russell Wilson's moment's going to come. So I, I would say uh, stick with him. Okay. 
All right, I like that. I like that. Um, let's move on to the next game. Steelers lose a clunker to the Dolphins, and Big Ben Roethlisberger tore his meniscus and had surgery yesterday. Uh, Shaka, I want to hear some of your thoughts on this game. What did you take away from this? Well, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger being injured, this looks familiar. Yeah, it does. When, yeah. He, when he's healthy, man, he's so great. He's so good. It's, it's, it's just the the insurance, you know, the warranty in this guy is not really 100% reliable. No. Unfortunately. I mean, so, I mean what do you think uh, this does sorry. to Antonio Brown's stock? Actually, I was headed right to it. Last season when, it, when Roethlisberger got hurt, it was four games. Antonio Brown was basically pedestrian. He yeah. almost was not even worth looking at. So yeah. I really am really curious to see how the Steelers are going to adjust to not having Roethlisberger. I don't know if he's going to be back this season. They're saying he's going to miss some time, but he'll be back. Yeah, I, that, that all sounds too recall, optimistic for me. If I recall, he had his meniscus removed. He didn't have like a surgery to have it fixed. They, I think they removed it completely. I think I don't even the word I'm I'm gonna say it wrong. I'm gonna fucking butcher it. But I'm gonna say it anyway. I think it was called a meniscotomy or something like that. <laughs> that that was, that like sounds technical enough to me. That sounds technical enough. I never heard before. I was like, that's a fucking thing. Get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, he had his um he had his meniscus completely removed. So oh I God. think they're expecting him to come back. This guy's gonna be in a wheelchair. By the time he's 45, Dude, he's, I guarantee. He's going to have a robotic knee. So, I mean, you know, it, it just, I don't know if he's doing this, if this is his decision, or if, you know, the Steelers put his asses like, just go ahead and do it. Hey, but, uh, I, I think this drives Levy and Bell's stock up. Way up. Yeah. Way up. I was, Levy and Bell is going to, if he wasn't ready to man, and just expect there's going to be a lot of screen passes to Levy and Bell because he is that fast, and they were, that's already pretty much a big part of the Steelers' offense is screen passes to Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. So he he's really great at shedding the tackle, and you can guarantee that they're not going to have Landry Jones throwing into traffic the no. same way that Roethlisberger could. No. So Le'Veon Bell's stock is way up. Antonio Brown's stock is unfortunately down. Yeah. And everything else is going to kind of have to wait and shake out and see just what adjustments they make between this year and last year Yeah. without having Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, this is going to be... <sighs> This friggin' Steelers team, they've got so many studs on offense, and from fantasy owners' perspectives, many of these guys are on many different teams out there as as solid, you know, starting lineup guys without even thinking about it. Everyone's really got to check their shit at the door now and really think about is Rothless, you know, you got to you got to find an alternate for Rothlessberger. You got to consider benching uh, Antonio Brown depending on the matchup. I mean, maybe you got to look a little bit more towards Jesse James and Xavier Grimble, these tight ends who are probably going to get more looks. Uh, I think Sammy Coates' stock goes down. Let me take all of this and the last thing I'll say about the Steelers is how the hell do they do this? How the hell are they so good and then they just lay an egg against these terrible teams? Like, I'm not saying the Eagles are terrible, but the Eagles should really weren't predicted to win that game, just like the Dolphins weren't predicted to win this game. What the hell happens with the Steelers? This is a complete head-scratcher for me, too, where I just look in. J.J., who I think the Dolphins okay. have been kind of hoping would kind of have a big uh, coming-out game, an announcement game, and they'd given up on him because they went to running back by committee for most mm-hmm. of the season. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, discovers himself, has an awakening against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense of all teams. Yeah. And puts up 200 yards rushing. I mean, 
absolute amazing hell? career day performance that completely <laughs> overshadowed the fact that Arian Foster came back. Yeah, they, I think he only had three carries. Yeah. Arian Foster barely saw the field. No, Jay Ajayi was running all over the place like it was, you know, like open field. It was track and field. Just get out of my way. I'm going home. I texted you. I remember because I have I had Jay Ajayi on my um, on my bench just because I was like, you know what, the Dolphins don't have a starting running back at this point, and he's the closest thing they have to it. But he's probably not going to do that well against the Steelers. So he was benched, of course. And then I look, I check in on the game. Jay Ajayi is absolutely slashing the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I texted you. I, was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, he's sitting on the bench right now. The highest score in fantasy guy right now. And he's on my bench. <laughs> I, I, dude, I, I watched some of those highlights, man. I mean, he looked really impressive. But I, I got to ask you, Shaka, do you believe any of this? Do you believe that this Dolphins def- uh, offense is going to be able to replicate any of this? Is Ajayi going to be able to do this again? Are they going to be able to do any of this all over again? Or was this an anomaly? Well, I feel like Scully from X-Files. I want to believe. I don't know if I can. I want to believe. I don't know, though. I, I'm really afraid. I'm, I'm looking at my lineup for the next week. Scully, yeah, I've got like, proof of extraterrestrial life right here. Mulder, it's I'm not proof. Contemplating. I'm contemplating. The big question really boils down to is, does Miami, the coaching staff, kind of take a flyer and say, you know what, let's give him another chance to be the starting running back? Or do they kind of pull the handbrake and go back to, uh, you know what, Aaron Foster's our starting running back, and we'll kind of get Jay into the mix and just really fuck up your fantasy day. It's a big question. I... And I, it terrifies me to kind of put that gamble and say, you know what, let's start him and hope that the Miami Dolphins have common sense. Yeah, I... I don't know. I don't trust anything in Miami because even with that victory, they still had a they still had some bonehead plays. They had terrible fumbles. They had a blocked field goal. They had a missed field goal. There was still a lot of dumb Miami Dolphin mistakes, but it almost seemed like, you know, the Steelers made more mistakes and I don't they know. The they practically gave him the game cuz I still look back and I'm trying to figure out where exactly Miami Dolphins is just just came out and just absolutely dominated this game. I, uh, I mean, I will say, I believe the Dolphins are playing the Bills next week, divisional matchup. I mean, I feel confident enough to start a Jaye at least for that game to give him a shot because he had a good game. Like he he established enough credit to at least get a start. I still feel good starting Jarvis Landry, but yeah. you know, nobody else on that team really wows me, and you know. Like I said, I'll give Ajaye one start this week. He's, if he doesn't earn himself after this, then you know what? He's back to the bench. That's my opinion. I say I'm afraid, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to. I'm in the same boat as you, and I am going to start Ajaye. I, I have to probably to flex just to see. Just to see <laughs> if the Miami coaching staff is smart enough to try to ride him one more time. Someone needs to play them a highlight film, just a reel of like. The days of Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams. <laughs> the Dolphins' running game was just was just it was unstoppable. You could just mix and match guys in and out, and they just dominated. But remember that? Do you remember? Those were the days. Remember when things were good? What happened? But we'll see. It, it, I, I I hope he gets a chance, but who knows? Miami probably has no common sense. Uh, yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, do you want to move on from this game? Yeah, I think we covered it. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens losing to the New York Giants. Um, My big takeaway is that Odell Beckham Jr. is amazing. 
What uh, do you have any thoughts? It's so easy to forget just how how much of a freak this guy is. So just he won the game all by himself. Yeah, Single-handedly, this, it's, 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 it's hard to, to remember that he actually is a supremely talented wide receiver. And man, oh man, they did not have an answer for him nope. in the second half. When nope. Eli finally decided to just throw it his way. Mm-hmm. Throw it his way as, as often as we can. They could do nothing about it. Yeah, and, and, and it's almost like when, when things worked out with Odell, Eli looked like Dr. Jekyll. He didn't look like Mr. Hyde. He looked like Dr. Jekyll. Everything was clicking, 400 <laughs> yards passing. It was pretty. All was right with the world. And, you know, the Giants come out with a victory. But, I mean, listen, it took half, it took half the game to do that. Because aside from yeah. ODB getting all those catches in the second half, nothing really was going on. The run game for the Giants sucked. Rashad Jennings came back. He didn't look impressive. Uh, I mean, it's almost. It, 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 I feel like Rashad Jennings is still in the back of a milk carton somewhere. <laughs> Even he's like, I'm on. I'm right here. I'm. I'm. I'm in the huddle. I'm carrying I'm the there. ball right now. <laughs> they just. The, I don't know. The Giants' rushing game has been. We talked about this too. It's been so pathetic. Mm-hmm. So pathetic. But you know what? Thank goodness that they have Otto Beckham Jr. to handle everything. For him. I uh, now for the Ravens, Terrence West is officially the man. He's the guy to have in that backfield. Tiny guy, but super. He's got he's got such a big heart for such a little guy. They yeah. had him in a couple goal line goal line situations where they were just letting him launch himself at the Giants defense, and he got it in a couple of times. Yeah, too. but he's legit. He's the real deal out there. And I, I'm sure the Ravens have been dying to kind of have a running back who can just again. Do we talk about this? A running back can solidify the position mm-hmm. running the football mm-hmm. and uh this is you know they were without steve smith joe flacco still performed pretty well flacco and eli they both put up decent numbers you know this was i feel like in some strange way these teams are are remarkably more similar than i think that than we give them credit for uh i think we kind of touched on it last week when we were doing the preview i where we said they kind of in similar situations, just that the Giants had a slightly better defense. Yes, yes, that feels accurate. Because I, you know, this is this Ravens team that started three and zero. Now they're three and three, and I kind of feel like uh, they're going to lose next week. I, I got to see who they're playing. I mean, we'll go over it at the end of the show, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose again next week. They're playing somebody who's going to be a tough matchup. Well, here's hoping that Steve Smith actually comes back. Um, healthy next week because they can really use him. Mike Wallace had a pretty great game, but he's not at the same kind of every down possession guy. Oh, the Ravens playing the Jets next week. Oh yeah, that's that's what I that's what I was thinking of. That'll oh, wow. uh that's I kind of almost feel like that's a game where the Jets come out and win one. Yeah, they they need one badly. But yep. um the the Ravens are a very strange and interesting team because they have guys, you know, they they've got a Kamar Aiken who can who can catch the deep ball. Mm-hmm. They have Rashad Perriman. They've got Dennis Pitta. They've got guys. They can they can do some things, but they just seem to not really. They they don't really. I don't. They don't feel dangerous to me. Is the word I think I'm looking for. They don't feel like a dangerous team. Yeah, and this is a team that for up you know aside from last year up you know up until then this team was usually dangerous and always in the hunt. Yeah. Um. It, it's. I I think they, they go the way of Joe Flacco though. I and I think we you know Joe Flacco was like I'd really like some more passing plays involved in the offense and mm-hmm. he got he almost he threw almost 50 times for 300 yeah. yards yeah they almost pulled it out if they could only find an answer for they, you know the golden haired 
wide receiver on the other side of the field. <laughs> it was like we said, they were so evenly matched, but yet that other player was just ODB, man. He was the game you know, changer. He, had a fumble. he even had a fumble, but it was an afterthought because he came and he, he redeemed himself yeah. in a big, big way. Oh, um, dude, I was texting with Katie. She was like, first couple minutes of the game, she was like, ODB's got negative points. And then at the end of the game, she's like, oh my God, he won the entire game for me. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, that's Odell Beckham Jr. in a fucking nutshell. They're just going to have to rinse and repeat for like the rest of the season now. Yeah, hopefully they can do that without him throwing a fit. Um, we want to move on from this game? I think we should. Yeah, this is good. Patriots defeating the Cincinnati Bengals in Foxborough, Massachusetts. My first take, Brady and Gronk are Brady and Gronk. Start them both without hesitation. What are some of the things you took away from this game? I like, you know, I really like the uh, situation that Tom Brady has when he has a a running back who can catch out of the backfield. And James White White. kind of goes unsung, but again, he really fills that role that Deion Lewis had Mm -hmm. with the team. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see because Deion Lewis is on his way back, yep. you know, being healthy, and he's going to play this year. It's just a question of when. Yeah. But James White is looking like he's coming into his own, and he's a good pickup if you need a guy for PPR leagues. Dude, he's actually a really great pickup. James White was not quiet at all this past week, man. He blew up and made everybody know his name. Two touchdowns. That's what I'm talking about. I think I think you can expect that. I think they're playing the Steelers next week too. Yeah, so the Steelers it, I mean, without Big Ben. Game. Expect more of the same that Tom Brady loves to have a, a running back to check down to. They do a lot of those quick little passes where the running back goes into a blocking position and then immediately off as a receiver. And just expect a lot of it. It's not going to be big yardage, but it's going to be enough to move the chains. And, you know, James White had eight catches, 47 yards. It, running game for him is an afterthought. He doesn't really get the ball that often. Mm-hmm. But just in a PPR format, you're going to get points out of this. Now, I got a question for you. I want to ask about Julian Edelman. So, listen, I know that we had four weeks of no Brady, but we've had two weeks of Brady. It's pretty clear that the tight ends are heavily in the mix. Gronkowski, yeah. Martellus Bennett. I feel confident that both of them are going to uh, be viable fantasy starters. They're a play every week. Even if they disappear, I still feel like they're going to get some. And then you've got the running backs. We just talked about James White. We just talked about the fact Deion Lewis is coming back. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt has certainly, even when they're passing a lot, he still kind of finds a way to kind of get like a red zone touchdown. Um, but... Julian Edelman and maybe even Chris Hogan seem to be the possession receivers who are almost not being featured all that much in this year's Patriots offense. Do you have any, what's your take on Julian Edelman right now and where he stands? Well, it's really strange because I I think everyone knows that Julian Edelman and Tom Brady for the last four or five years have had just a special relationship in terms of, you know, just the every down kind of receiver. Yeah. I think Edelman's still that guy. Maybe not so much this year, because they're really going really heavy on that two tight end set. Yep. But look, Edelman had seven targets, which is not bad. He only had four catches for 30 yards, which is okay. But you you just kind of have to take into consideration when you have an offense as diverse and as varied as the New England Patriots offense, certain guys are going to step up every week Mm -hmm. and be the star. Mm -hmm. Just remember Tom Brady's first week back. Patellus Bennett had three fucking touchdowns. Yeah, that's true. No one, I don't think anyone was expecting that. And no. Gronk was kind of 
an almost a non-factor in that game. And now this week, Gronk has seven catches for 160 yards. Just talking yeah. shit nonstop to the Bengals defense because they cannot <laughs> stop him. So it's you know every week is going to be. I think they, I think the Patriots okay preparing a different package for every team they face. Just knowing with confidence, you're going to have to figure out a scheme and good luck. So it's it's a coin toss sometimes. So maybe who knows next week, Edelman might be the guy with. Nine catches for eighty-nine yards, yeah. and a touchdown, yeah, against the Steelers. You gotta, you gotta be mindful of it if you're Edelman owners. He's great, but at the same time, the Patriots just have such an amazing offense. You don't really know which which slot machine is going to ring up that particular week. I think my best advice for people out there is really, if you have, look, if you got good wide receivers, you have a Odell Beckham Jr. or you mm-hmm. have. You know, a liar Fitzgerald. Yeah. You play those guys in your first two spots. And, and Edelman's kind of a flex if you really need a guy who's kind of going to give you some points and you don't really have any better options. Mm-hmm. I would say play Edelman because he might blow up. He might be that guy who puts you over the top. Or but don't be upset. You know. Don't be upset if he doesn't, you know, get you two touchdowns at 100 yards. He's, if anything, exactly. he might be consistent. He might, at the very least, get you four catches for 45 yards. He's a high risk, high reward kind of guy. So you get, you know, you might get a nice, a nice uh, weekend out of him, or you might not. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the Bengals. I don't, I don't really know what the hell to say about the Bengals aside from you know complete running back by committee. Still, Jeremy Hill yeah. and Giovanni Bernard still splitting carries. You know, the offense still struggling in the red zone again, just desperately needing Tyler Eifert. I, I don't. Which one of these these players on this team do you trust in fantasy at all, Shaka? Well, I'm going to beg you guys, please, please stay away from the running backs because it's just, I mean, well, Giovanni Bernard, just because if you're going to have no choice but to pick one, you go with Giovanni Bernard because he catches the football out of the backfield so well. Yeah. But I, I would have told you, Jeremy Hill's the guy you go with the red zone, but sure enough, there were a couple of um, situations where they had Giovanni Bernard in the red zone mm-hmm. running the football, and he got absolutely stuffed. Yeah. Stuffed. Because the, the, the Bengals don't know what they're doing. They're not really sure what the hell they're doing at the running back. Position. Yeah. It's, so every week is, you know, it's a mixed bag. It's such a mess. I mean, A.J. Green, you know, he's still got his. He's still got work. He didn't catch a touchdown, but, you know, he, he, got, he gets the volume. He's going to be consistent. Brandon LaFell had a touchdown. I think he's had a few touchdowns the last couple weeks, but he just does not get enough. No. I don't trust and his production. He's, yeah. He, can, he, got a, he gets a lot of it in garbage time sometimes. Like he's, so I would tell you to stay away. If you've got a deep league, like 12-team or 14-team, you know, and it's PPR, I would say, sure, go get Brandon LaFell, but... I don't. I really don't trust anybody aside from like AJ Green. You know, maybe even Andy, Andy Dalton. Dalton. Yeah, really, maybe Andy even Dalton. Andy Dalton. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend to you. There are probably other quarterbacks out there who can produce more in terms of touchdowns than a Dalton. He's going to throw for four thousand yards. Yep. But the touchdown count. He he might not make. I don't think he's going to make twenty touchdowns this year. He, at this pace, I think he's only got maybe four or five. He he's probably not going to make it to twenty this season. So you can find another quarterback out there who can produce. More than adult. Yeah, this Bengals team is bad. They were not bad last year. They're bad this year. Um, you want to get away from this game? Yeah, I think we're done with this one. Carolina Panthers lose a close one to the New Orleans Saints. I've said it for the last three or four weeks, Shaka. I'm going to say it again. You know what I'm going to say. The Panthers suck. They are bad. <laughs> they are bad. I did not. I was not surprised 
one bit that they lost this game. I was impressed that they kept in it. Yeah, well, I wasn't totally impressed because the Saints' D is terrible. Um, yeah. This game really played out exactly how I thought it would. Um, I mean, I was pleased from the fantasy production. I'm sure there was a lot of fantasy uh uh, uh, managers out there who enjoyed, you know, everybody got some. Greg Olson did something. Oh, Kelvin Benjamin did something. Hand. Did... My hand. I, I had Drew Brees as starting quarterback. Dude, four touchdowns, 465 yards, boom shakalaka. He absolutely ripped him. And I think uh, I was looking at a stat. Um, it's the first time in NFL history that anyone, and because who threw 400 yards in them last week on uh, the Panthers? Uh, the, um, oh, was gosh. It the, was it the Falcons? No. No, no, no. Here, I'll look up. You keep talking. But yeah, it was a, it was an NFL record. No, it's never been where back to back a team has given up 400 yards or 450 yards passing in two straight weeks. They're that bad. They're literally just a revolving door for wide receivers uh, against the Panthers. They, I don't know what it is. The defense is night and day compared to last year but they're just getting torched by terrible. everybody they're terrible well they play oh here the panthers played the buccaneers last week i don't the uh, they Bucks. didn't they didn't throw 400 yards they threw a lot though i mean this is this secondary is atrocious it's atrocious for the panthers i uh the god the running backs for the the saints didn't even get involved because no, they didn't need to didn't need to kobe fleener had a rushing touchdown kobe fleener had two touchdowns uh, i mean michael thomas this rookie Okay, I have fish. We want to. If you want to get specific, Michael Thomas, I think is the guy to have over Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed had a great week one, but he he was hurt. He's come back, and he's kind of been he's kind of you know shifted down on the food chain behind Michael Thomas. But really, you called it. Brandon Cooks did what he did, and he did it well. He cooked up some touchdowns, baby. Sneed still gets more targets, I think, than a. Uh... Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, be a little bit more consistency. Yes, he, he gets more for his, uh, he gets more bang for his buck in terms yes. of catches than a, a, a Willie Snead. Willie Snead will will burn you every now and then for some big games. Mm-hmm. He'll give mm-hmm. you a couple big hundred yard games or just gaudy numbers. But Michael Thomas, he he looks good, man. He looks legit. He's if he's not already the number two, he's gonna be the number two in the future. I mean, I like Michael. I've got him stashed on a, one of my teams, and I think I'm going to go stash him on another team. He's just been great. This was uh, this whole game was an offensive smorgasbord. What was exciting for me was to see Jonathan Stewart come back and actually perform. He had two rushing touchdowns. Yeah. I think really, I, I think those two touchdowns, not to take away from a Jonathan Stewart, is okay. kind of a, a safety thing in terms of Cam Newton coming back. From uh, from was it concussion protocol? Yep. Basically, and I think the situation was two goal line situations, and normally they would throw Cam Newton right into the pile, and instead they decided to kind of keep him healthy, you know, and let Jonathan Stewart have a go at it. That's a so, wise decision, man. I don't know if Jonathan yeah, Stewart's really. going to be able to replicate this because this was against the New Orleans defense, as we both know, is completely and utterly atrocious. I mean, they. I mean, they're about as stiff as, like, a T-shirt, man. You can just run through them. <laughs> uh, he I, made the most out of his carries this game, Stewart. And I, I hope he can kind of keep it up. But the, the Panthers' defense, the way it's going, it's going to be some shootouts. Yeah. And, I mean, this was, dude, this season. was one of them. But, again, Panthers are bad. And it did not surprise me that the Saints sort of shot, you know, they – the, sh- the Saints had the last bullet in their gun at the end of the game, and it was a 50-yard field goal by Will Lutz. Eesh. 
Yeah. And then, yeah, he was not happy. I think he walked out of the press conference after this one. He didn't even finish. He didn't stick around to, uh, to talk about. He should be unhappy. Just really a, a, a beatdown of a game. I think they're on a bye this week. I believe so. th- I believe they are coming up on a bye, and this is abs- this is dude. This is Super Bowl hangover. This is the Eagles losing to the Patriots in two thousand four, and then going six and ten the following season. It, it, it's rough, and you know I, I didn't believe it at first, but when you look at some of the teams after they come down from that bye, and I'm waiting for someone to write a really good comprehensive article is it the free agent acquisition is the guys leaving in free agency and kind of cashing in I th- that I, really hurts these teams i mean i think I'm it's really that i think it's that and you couple it with every other team comes out and they're like dude you went to the super bowl if anything we're gonna show up and beat your ass today yeah we have to we have to yeah beat you down it, it, it's always fascinating I think there's a little bit of that, you know, maybe we can't beat everybody, but let's at least beat the shit out of the guys who went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it brings out the best in all of them, man. That's how you end up losing games to, like, the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football by a field goal. You know what I mean? I got to take the little things out of this. Cam Newton's going to he, he's gonna play with a chip on his shoulder for the whole season. Yeah. Because you know he loves to win, so he's always going to put up some big numbers. I uh, guarantee on the Saints end that Drew Brees has no, no choice but to be a gunfighter every week. Yeah. And and you know, yeah. this divisional matchup, you know they're going to play again in Carolina later this season. I can't wait. Yeah, let's see what Cam Newton does on that game. Uh, <laughs> you want to move to the next game? We got Chiefs-Raiders. Ooh, Kansas City was. Chiefs can run the ball, and they ran all over the Raiders, man. Even with Jamal Charles coming back and scoring a touchdown, Spencer Ware had a over had over 20 carries, over 130 rushing yards, rushing touchdown, not to mention Dontari Poe came out and ran for a rushing touchdown. That was such a weird play. It was all it was such a bizarre play, but it was fun to watch. Dude, that was like, you know, the fridge coming out in Super Bowl 20 when they're like, "We know he's going to run the ball," and they just give it to him and he runs it and they can't do anything about it. Kansas City had fun with this game. Yeah. Not really. At, at the expense, they, Alex Smith was 19 for 22. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy Macklin got a pass playoff. They they really tried to pull everything out. Yeah, they did. On, uh, on the Raiders. And it, and it was not much. The passing game for the Chiefs was really not anything to be excited about. It was running all over the place. And, you know, I got to tell you, Shaka, I picked the Raiders to win this game. And, damn no, it, I'm going to say this right now. I should have known I'm an Eagles fan. Andy Reid is amazing after the bye. He's something like 18-2 and two every time he comes out after the bye. I should have thought of that. He came out after the bye, and he trounced on a divisional opponent. I mean, he also exposed how bad this Raiders defense is. The Raiders defense is, their, is probably their biggest weak link because they can throw the ball. They got a great offense. Yeah. But that Raiders D has got some serious issues, and Andy Reid's Chiefs really exploited it. I mean, I really, I really want to say, I don't think Derek Carr had a bad game. I just think that Chiefs defense was just so much better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they really forced him. One, it was obvious he was uncomfortable in the pocket. Yep. They really forced him to kind of move around. He actually is not a, a bad mobile quarterback. No, he's not. No, he's not. He, he's always at his best. He throws his best, and David. Derek Carr had some great, just crisp, you know. I mean, he had a couple of great passes to Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper had a monster day. 
pocket, do a three-step drop, and he gets a chance to look for his receivers downfield mm-hmm. and just perfectly place the throw. He did not have too many opportunities. Also, the weather was absolute crap out there. Yeah, it was. And it was it was really off and on. Just sometimes it was raining, sometimes it was. The, just the medicness. And I think really... Car was not comfortable at all. No, all day. And I th- and again, the Chiefs' defense kind of making it different. You know, the same Chiefs' defense that got annihilated by the Steelers a few weeks ago, coming out of the bye and causing trouble for the Raiders' passing game. And Amari Cooper got his, yeah, but nobody yeah. else did anything. Michael Crabtree disappeared. Uh, what Crabtree is- looked rough out there. Seth Roberts or whoever the hell else, Clive Walton. Nobody did anything. And not and the Raiders running game did nothing as well. They did absolutely nothing. I think they finally got exposed because we've known they've had issues with yep. the uh, the running game. Just with Davis Murray being out and them trying to figure out who's actually either the guy or the heir apparent to it. And, you know, it, it really played into this when you really don't feel comfortable running the football on downs the same way that the Kansas City Chiefs had zero issues. Zero issues getting the ball out. Yeah. I I just problems for that Raiders that one side of the ball they got to figure this out because if they want to be a playoff team and they want to contend they've got to be able to be able to back it up on the defensive side of the ball and right now I'm not seeing it it's that's that's giving me pause when I think about the Raiders playoff chances they still got time they're four and two but I they're they're really gonna have to they have a few they have a few big questions they need to answer before before they can uh, make it to the playoffs this year. Okay, uh, you want to get off this game? Yeah, let's go to here. let's go to the San Francisco 49ers losing to the Buffalo Bills in dramatic fashion. Shady McCoy, what what what? Three touchdowns. Mm. I will admit, I did not expect LeSean McCoy to be having such a stellar season, I, especially after firing your offensive coordinator. Yep, yep, yep. And lo and behold, apparently my fantasy team is bright and shiny. They hired the right guy because he's just giving the ball to Shady and LaShawn McCoy is the whole offense. I know Tyrod Taylor's doing what he does, but right now, Shady McCoy is the beginning, middle, and end of this Bills offense. He's running like a man possessed. There's a couple times he was running, the play was set, run to the left, and he would cut it back and go all the way opposite field and nobody could touch him. Just crisp. He looks looks healthy. When he looks healthy, he's Terrifying. All right, listen, Chaka, I think this might need to be something I do every single week that Shady McCoy has a good uh, uh, fantasy performance running day, and I'm just going to do it again because I have to. Why the fuck isn't he on the goddamn Eagles still? <laughs> what the fuck? You, know, you don't know what you got until it's gone. All right, I, I just had to get that out of my system. Sorry. I, I think you... God, he's so young. He's only 28. I, I, I had Dude, to look that up the other day. He, he's only 28. He has all of the franchise records for the Eagles, and he could be putting more numbers on. Can you imagine this Eagles team right now with Shady McCoy in the backfield, Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin catching passes from Carson Wentz? I used to know a guy, I remember, back before McCoy was the starting running back for the Eagles. Uh-huh. And I think it was when he was a rookie. It was a guy I used to work with who was his cousin. He said, oh, my cousin's on the Eagles. My cousin's on the Eagles. And I was like, who's your cousin? Because Brian Westbrook was still the uh, right. running back. That's right. Uh-huh. And, you know, Westbrook was Westbrook. There's no one taking his position. So I was like, okay, your cousin's the backup. Good job. And I lost touch with him. I haven't spoken to him in years. But sure enough, his cousin was the starting, you know, running back for the Eagles. And I was like, man, this kid's good. 
you know, lo and behold, LaShawn McCoy is his own man in the NFL. It's, and and, and LaShawn McCoy is, we're talking about, like, Hall of Famer at this point now. Yeah, he's, he's, he's making a damn solid case for it, and he's still got plenty of gas dude, left in the tank, obviously. Dude, Rex Ryan's thanking his lucky stars right now that Shady's doing what he's doing. Um, I mean, because honestly, besides that, the wide receivers are not really anything. No. Robert no. Woods is having a pretty okay yeah. in, in, in place, but and there's no one here that's terrifying. You know, and I got to give credit. Charles Clay is starting to come on. He's, you know, he's like Gary Barnage. He got a slow start. They had to kind of get him going a little bit. But Charles Clay's getting more into the passing game. It's just, the truth is, Tyrod Taylor doesn't need to throw the ball that much. He just doesn't. No, just run it. No one, no one seems to have an answer for Shady yet. Um, let's talk very briefly. Let's talk about the 49ers. Colin Kaepernick comes back. He doesn't look bad. Um, look, certainly looks a little better than Blaine Gabbert. Although I wasn't particularly impressed with Kaepernick. Kaepernick had one nice touchdown to Torrey Smith. However, he underthrew the ball to Torrey Smith. The only reason Torrey Smith caught it and ran off was because he was so wide open. It was a busted yeah. coverage. Well, that's kind of uh, Kaepernick's knock. And I, man, we can, we can have a whole podcast just talking about San Francisco 49ers oh. franchise and just the way they've mismanaged it oh. in the last three Ev- or four years. Everything is just, just you want to talk about making wrong decisions, just look at the Niners. Ugh. And this really, I mean, Chip Kelly is kind of, not to really defend Chip Kelly, but this is just more of the situation that he's found himself in where you have, you know, Jim Harbaugh going back and forth to the GM and eventually losing that kind of power struggle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then just having the bottom fall out, and then, hey, here you go. Kind of good luck with the pieces that you have Ugh. to work with. I mean, ama- so, amazing how that Niners team really had a renaissance for, like, the four years he was there, and now... 2014, I think they were... It wasn't the Super Bowl, but they were leasing the, the, the championship. Yeah, the man, they were, like, they were absolutely one of the powerhouses of the NFC. They were feared, and, you know, we forget that before Harbaugh arrived and brought them to that level of of prestige, they were in the toilet, man. They were in the toilet yeah. for years. Like, Alex Smith was a joke. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Vernon Davis was a pro bowler, but that was really probably the only bright spot they had, you know. I mean, now look, 2016, and we're back to this place. We're pretty much, I mean, the 49ers actually have a win, but they're, in my opinion, they're the worst team in the league. Yeah, that, I mean, I would, put, I would put the Browns ahead of the Niners. I'm, I'm going to say that. Yeah, the Browns at least are competitive. They, you know, in games they they actually look like they're trying to win. Yeah, the United is just the wind is they're down. So it's a hot mess. It it's a hot mess in San Francisco. Let's get away from this game. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland Browns lose again to the Tennessee Titans. The Browns stay winless. The Titans. Listen, I think the the word on the street is that the Titans are a pretty good team. They just you know haven't shown it enough. Uh, I think it's coming together. This is two straight games where Mariota looks pretty exciting. DeMarco Murray is doing kind of what Shady McCoy's doing. He's playing amazing right. football, running all over the place. Um, Cleveland put on a good show. Terrell Pryor had a couple of touchdowns. Cody Kessler threw for 300 yards. But, you know, again, they they were on the road. The Titans have a decent D. What were some of the things you took away from this game, if anything? Well, I think it's kind of Tennessee's problem still, it, the kind of carousel they have at the wide receiver position. Yes. Where they, they expected Tyler Sharp to be the number one guy, and he literally has all but evaporated. He doesn't exist 
Nope. Except that, you know, he has a roster place yep. on that team. I mean, Kendall, Kendall Wright, Wright showed up. Kendall Wright showed up. Kendall Wright, who was, you know, kind of an afterthought, is eight catches, 130 yards. Shard Matthews. These are, these are kind of like guys who've been cast off from other teams. Yeah. Who have come here and... E- even though Rashard Matthews was a off-season free agent signing. Which is amazing to me that he... I, I feel like... He, I thought he was going to have a bigger impact. But he's... You know what? He's been relevant in the fantasy conversation. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't really count him out. He's actually looked pretty good. But it's taken a little while for it to actually... Yeah. To really come on. DeMarco Murray is, of course, DeMarco Murray. Yeah, I agree. And, you know... I like Marcus Mariota. He can run, which is always so surprising. I forget how fast he is. Yep. But, again, let's all kind of temper this by saying it is the Browns. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was. It is the Browns. I, I mean, the, the takeaway is that Terrell Pryor, I think, is still a stud. He's really one of the best fantasy options on that Browns team. Uh, the running game kind of disappeared. Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell were, were, were very forgettable in this game. Um, I mean, listen, this was a much more lopsided game than the score represents. I think the final score was 28-26, but, you know, the Browns scored two garbage touchdowns at the end of the game as they tried to claw their way back. But the Titans were pretty much in control here. And, I mean, listen, I feel more excited because I feel more confident that the Titans can put together much more, less mistake-filled games. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's potential there. There's a potential there for a really good team. They actually had one um, turnover this game, but they, they've got the nucleus of a team mm-hmm. that can actually compete. Let's see if they can actually play a little bit better defense and not have a a, a close one with the, the Cleveland Browns, and you might be able to, you know, say something there. They're 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. They could be a, a lot worse off. Yeah. And uh, and and I'm kind of getting excited about Mariota. I feel like Mariota's stock is rising, and and I'd be curious to see if he continues to uh, produce this well. Because if he does, I'd like to stash him as a backup quarterback for a. Listen, I could stash I, him I on my yeah, stash him on my team with Russell Wilson, and maybe if I find a better matchup, I start Mariota over Russell Wilson just for that one week. You know what I'm saying? You know what? When the kid's got time in the pocket to throw, he he looks he looks like a stud. Yeah. Um. You want to get away from this game? Yeah, let's move. Los Angeles Rams lose on the road to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Shaka, any takeaways from this game? Russ, this is actually this is a pretty good game. Yeah, it was. Our there was a lot of scoring, considering you know you were dealing with the Rams defense. The guy that stood out for me was Golden Tate. Golden Tate showed up. I don't know what's been going on. It's got to be some kind of internal issue with the coaches, where they just were not happy with him. But Golden Tate showed up, and Golden Tate looked really um, good. Amazing. Amazing. You know, and I, I feel the Lions, at least now, they can if they can get some consistency from a Tate mm-hmm. and pair that with Marvin Jones Jr. Yep, yep. They, you know, on the offense, they kind of have a nucleus for a deadly one, too. Because Tate, when he gets open, man, the kid, the kid can move. Yeah. So, and Jones was doing this. Jones was was still a monster without him. Just yep. imagine the two of them together. They're going to give secondaries hell all season. I mean, I'm, I'm getting real. I'm starting to get excited about this Lions team. I think the first couple of weeks, they lost a couple of stinkers, and there was a feeling that they were the same sort of, you know, one in nine Lions team that we saw for the first chunk of last season. But mm-hmm. Marvin Jones is good. Golden Tate, you know, it took him a couple of weeks, but 
I don't think that last week's game was an anomaly. He had a couple of touchdowns where I feel like he tripped right at the goal line. He could have had several more touchdowns. Anquan Bolden looks really good. And they're doing all of this without the running game. They had... And I looked at their stats. They signed Justin Forsett, who didn't do anything. I was actually talking <laughs> I, I was talking with a buddy, uh, Canyon, of mine, who uh, this guy Canyon I met recently. He was talking about maybe Justin Forsett could do something nice. Turns out Zach Zenner was the guy who got all of the carries. And they're still... I don't even know who that is. Neither did I. But they're still being able to produce on the offensive side of the ball, even with a shit running game. I mean... You got to give some credit to this Lions, uh, to this Lions team, and Matthew Stafford threw four touchdowns. Give him, give him a hand, man. <laughs> you know, on the other side, Case Keenum does not look. I, I, like, he's, yeah, I he's starting to he, look he confident. He's starting to look when confident. He, Houston, he was a great quarterback, and he, twenty-seven for thirty-two, three hundred yards, yep. three touchdowns. Yep. And and you know what? I think the bigger story is Todd Gurley still looks completely mortal. It's hard in that offense, pedestrian. I think they can pick it up. He only had 14 carries, and I think this one was probably a little bit more of a like this was high scoring. There were aerial attacks everywhere. There was lots of passing on both sides of the ball in this game. Jimmy Britt, just again another guy who just came out of nowhere. We got to talk about the receiving core for the Rams now because I think. All season, Shaka, we've kind of secretly sort of admitted to ourselves that nobody, nobody out there, there's not a single fantasy football manager or team owner out there that wants anything to do with these Rams receivers. I think we can both agree on that, Shaka. No one's no one's given shout outs to Kenny Britt or Brian Quick or Tavon Austin or whoever the fuck is the tight end for this team because I don't even know who it is. Maybe it's Lance Kendricks. Maybe he's gone at this point. I don't know. Um, but are we at a point now where we can start to legitimately discuss someone to pick up in the receiving core? And if you are going to pick up someone, do you go- pick one of these three? Kenny Britt, Brian Quick, Tavon Austin. I think I'm going to have to leave Kenny Britt just in terms of targets. Yeah? Britt actually, the last couple of games, he's actually looked pretty good, pretty solid and in terms of targets he's, he's had a pretty consistent number all season really it's just finally starting to translate into numbers and mm-hmm. this game was his big breakout game where he he was wide open a couple times yeah he was on that line of defense yeah he, so and Kenny Britt's always been a burner mm-hmm. so I think this if you're going to go with the guy Kenny Britt's probably going to give you the most for your uh, your money Which Quick's pretty good but Britt is probably the number one guy. Out Would there. you recommend stashing Kenny Britt? Absolutely, he's absolutely worth a look. Okay. Keenum's putting up numbers too. Keenum's putting up at least two two hundred fifty yards passing a game. They have to. The Rams they want to score, so hey, Britt's getting a lot of that. Okay, okay, that's something to be said, man. Because uh, you know Kenny Britt's better thanking his lucky stars that Jeff Fisher likes him because Jeff Fisher had him in Tennessee, and I think Jeff Fisher coaching the Rams is the only reason Kenny Britt has a job right now. One hundred percent. All right, let's get away from this game. Let's jump to the Jacksonville Jaguars pulling out a late game win against the Chicago Bears on the road. This was a matchup of two ugly ass teams. Um, my first takeaway that I want to hit you with, Shaka, is Cameron Meredith. This wide receiver for the Chicago Bears has another solid outing, Shaka. 
Are you buying this? Do you go stash him, yes or no? I think I have to at this point. Just because you have to kind of put it hand-in-hand hand with Brian Hoyer mm-hmm. putting up some, some big numbers. I think this is fourth straight 300-yard passing game. That's correct. Which is... Crazy okay, in itself. Also, at this point, he's a starter. Even when Jay Cutler comes back, I think Hoyer's at this point earned another look. Mm-hmm as a starter, and mm. Meredith has been a big part of it, especially the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. The guy looks good, and he's really he's a really good co-pilot to an Alshon Jeffrey, okay. much more so than a Kevin White. Okay, that's 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 a pretty big impression. I think I'm going to agree with you, because I was on the fence with Cameron Meredith, but now I'm sitting here saying, oh, with numbers like that, you got to stop and, and be like, hey, wait a minute, you know, is he a more viable pickup than Eddie Royal? And I think he might be. Royal also had an injury, I think, in this game. I yeah. don't know if he's day-to-day or I, what. I read also, something about how I think he missed practice today. So uh, even more so, stock is rising for Cameron Meredith. You're also looking for a tight end. Zach Miller. Zach Miller. Just looks super cozy in that offense, and they like him. And he didn't have a, he didn't have a great game but this he, past week. But he gets looks. He, he gets volume. Yes, 100%. He's always... He's always towards the top of that list, and I think he also helps Hoyer feel a lot more comfortable in that offense. So okay. Zach Miller, I have Zach Miller starting on one of my fantasy teams. I like that. I like that. Zach Miller, definitely a big pickup for fantasy uh, owners for a tight end. Um, the running game is, is, it is what it is. Jordan Howard's the guy to have. I don't even think he's going to lose his job when Langford comes back, if and when Langford comes back. Um, let's talk about this Jaguars team. So... Okay, so they pulled out a win, which they, they certainly shouldn't have won this game. I don't know how the hell they did it. It was, I mean, I don't know if you watched that highlight, the touchdown to Aurelius Ben. He catches it and yeah, falls down. Fell, right? Luckily, didn't even get touched by anybody. Got up and ran, outran all the defenders. It almost looked like they weren't trying. But I guess the bigger thing here is that I don't really trust much of any of the offense for the Jaguars. You know, Chris Ivory... He came back, he had a touchdown, but he, he only rushed for about 30 yards. He had a really terrible fumble in this game as well. Um, and he was very fumble-prone when he was with the Jets Exactly, well. man. And, you know, Alan Hearns got a lot of good looks, but at the same time, I love Alan Hearns, but he's not as consistent as Alan Robinson. And Alan Robinson... You know, he's had, he's had one or two good games. where Like, he had that one game where he had two touchdowns, but aside from that, man... He's looking very normal, and this is a guy who was drafted in like the first or second round of drafts with an expectation that he'd be getting, if not 100-yard games, then touchdown games every week, and that's not really the situation right now. Are you are you worried at all about Allen Robinson? I am a little bit. Last year, Allen Robinson was a guy you had nightmares about going into your weekend yep. fantasy matchup because yep. he would have these just absolutely gaudy numbers, you know, 170 yards, two touchdowns, and you'd be like, who is this guy? Yeah. And this year, I, he's kind of, he's an afterthought for everyone. Yeah. I, I, I think I had a friend who had him on a team, and I was like, that's the one guy you play every week. You never you never bench him. And now I I feel like a jerk. Allen Robinson's kind of gone missing. I, I don't know if he's on a fishing boat somewhere and, you know, <laughs> in the Caymans, but he's, he's, he's not playing on, on Sundays. He's getting so some it, sun. It, I would be a little bit concerned. I, you know, I... I I am concerned, and I, I want to say I think it has less to do with Allen Robinson and more to do with the entire passing game for the Jaguars. I think Blake Bortles is struggling. I think the whole offense is struggling. I think that the running game is suffering as well. I think everything is sort of all attributed to the same problems, and I think 
I think if you start fixing some of that, Allen Robinson will put up those numbers again. But until then, everybody on that team is kind of toxic right now. Look, man, I have no argument with that. I mean, when you have Aurelius Ben, who I didn't even know was still in the league. Dude, I forgot he was in the league, too. Scoring touchdowns, game-winning touchdowns with that. You know, obviously the offense needs a little bit of a fine tweaking. Ugh. I uh, I think we gotta let's let's give Allen Robinson one more week. We'll see what happens next week. But after that, I think all fantasy owners need to start seriously thinking about uh, starting Allen Robinson every week. Is this guy matchup proof? Is he a lock for a start? Because I don't know if he is anymore. Absolutely. All right. Last game on the docket to recap from Week Six. Last and I don't want to say certainly not least because this might be the least game worth thing. Sunday night football, Indianapolis Colts lose in overtime to the Houston Texans. My first takeaway is that both te- both of these teams are bad, and I don't know why they were on prime time. Shaka, what do you think? I was upset, man. I think I think I went with the contrarian pick, and I was uh, backing the Colts. To yeah, you you did pull that one. Hey, man, you almost had it because the Colts were leading you know, twenty to three in the fourth half. quarter. Three and a half quarters, I was right, and then all of a sudden, I think it was like three minutes left in the game. And the Colts shit the bed. Dude, completely. totally shit the bed. Fum- and, and, you know, turnovers, fumbles, you know, Lamar, Lamar Miller, Miller just going finally crazy. Showed up, finally showed up. And they didn't even have Will Fuller. Will Fuller was a late game scratch. Yep, yep. So he didn't even play. And still, still managed to pull it out. And the Colts, just that bad. I, just that bad of a team. They're really bad. Both teams have just so many problems. I mean, I think... The thing that I always lean towards is I feel more confident that the Texans' defense, even without J.J. Watt, is going to be pretty strong and is going to put on a show. And listen, you saw Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless making some plays. They make it hard for for Andrew Luck, you know, because that the Colts' offensive line is so bad. But the Andrew Luck, the T.Y. Hilton, this this guy Chester Rogers, who the hell is this guy? Um, you know, they're able to put up numbers, but at the end of the day. You know, the Texans with their defense, and I don't know how they put together that those those drives at the end of the game. I didn't even want to watch it. It was such a schlocky game. Uh, but, I think C.J. Fedorowicz. C.J. Fedorowicz, man. We talked about him a few weeks ago, man. This tight end, it's... Okay, now let's talk about this. This goes back to the fact that Brock Osweiler is not good. Uh, unless, he, yeah. unless, he sh- unless he improves during the rest of the season, this looks like a seriously bad investment by the Houston Texans because he is struggling big time. He can't get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. He just barely gave DeAndre Hopkins a decent game in this game. And yeah, it, took, it took 15 targets, which, you know, if you're a Hopkins owner, this is kind of reminiscent to last year. Oh, God. He got so many looks. And Foley's kind of taken some of his looks away this year, but uh, I'm sure the, the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins owners felt a little bit better. I'm sure they're still looking for the big touchdown game, but it's not happening. I, I'm a, I'm a DeAndre Hopkins owner in a couple of my leagues, and I'm very displeased right now. Oh, God. Um, any other takeaways to get from this game? I mean, Frank Gore is still consistent. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's still consistent. I, I'm glad Lamar Miller showed up because now I feel like he's he's earning his money a little bit more. But, I mean, what else to take away from this game? The rest of that Colts wide receiving core is just just look away. Yeah, cover your eyes and it, look away. And, and you know, there. maybe if Dante Moncrief was coming back, but I don't know when he's coming back, and it's not happening anytime soon. And you know, and then you've got the tight end position. Is it Dwayne Allen? Is it Jack Doyle? I don't know. I, Jack Doyle again made his made himself known. 
but it's it's very uh very iffy. I think Dwayne Allen's actually hurt. I have to double check that, but I think really? Dwayne Allen got injured. Did he get in? He might have gotten injured in the game. I know he played. I know that happened. Uh, it says sprained ankle considered week to week. Oh boy. Well, hey, that means that just sends Jack Doyle's stock up. At least there's a clearer idea as to who the tight end is in Indianapolis because luck likes throwing to the tight end. Yeah, absolutely. Always a big part of the offense. Okay, we ran through week six. Everybody, thank you for listening for the breakdown. We are officially going to do our picks for week seven. Shaka, let's start off. Thursday night football, Lambeau Field, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, divisional matchup. Who you got? Well, like you said, it is a divisional matchup, but I think the Packers Packers really need this game. It's, it's a huge test of just, well, a litmus test of where the rest of the season is going to go. I, I, I got to go with the Packers at Lambeau just because. No, I, I'm going to uh, totally agree with you. I'm going with the Packers at Lambeau as well just because, listen, it's a divisional matchup. We did discuss that, but the Packers kind of own the Bears right now. Even with the Packers' issues, this is still the Chicago Bears. They've got more issues than the Packers. I think this is going to be a very, very refreshing win that sort of puts the Packers right back on track. So I'm also picking the Packers. Okay. Minnesota Vikings on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Vikings coming off the bye. Shaka, who you got? You said it right there. Vikings coming off the bye. Uh, We're going to see if the defense is still hungry. We're also going to see if uh, if our quarterback here from the Eagles can kind of bounce back. He, again, didn't have a great game. He only completed about 50% of his passes, and then he's going up against the Vikings defense that is so far this season, been pretty stifling to everyone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to go also factoring in that Stephen Diggs should be back and healthy for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to have to go with the Vikings on this one. They're 5-0. and They look good. It's going to be a big test for the Eagles. Now, okay, this is this is always tough for me because every single week I want to pick the Eagles. Every single week. This is like, you know, my heart of hearts wanted to pick the Steelers when they played the Steelers, and then I felt good that I picked the Eagles. Shaka, this is you're get you're getting me to come out and finally say it. I I gotta pick the Vikings. I gotta take the Vikings. I just as the unbiased non fan, you know, viewer. The Vikings are five and zero. They're a better team. I don't want them to beat the the Eagles in Philadelphia, but this is going to be a serious test for this Eagles team. If they thought they faced a couple of tough defenses before. They ain't seen nothing yet with this Minnesota Vikings defense. And I'm really kind of curious to see how the Eagles D respond to the Vikings offense. That's going to be interesting for me to see, but it pains me to say this and I would be happy to be wrong, but I will have to officially take the Vikings in this game. Well, for your sake, I hope we're both wrong. Oh, well, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) Next up, London. There's a game in London, the New York Giants facing the Los Angeles Rams in London. Shaka, who you got? I have a feeling that this game is just going to be messy and ugly for some reason. I also feel like Todd Gurley is going to finally have have a day of reckoning, but it still will not be enough because to come to the sense to realize that, hey, we should throw to Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> Time. It's a great plan. I'm going to go with the Giants in London over the Rams. Okay. I, um, this is actually, I haven't even thought about this one all that much, but this is a very interesting matchup. I'm not sure either 
Because, you know, I think the Rams got a good defense, but then they let up all these points to the Lions. And then I think, you know, Case Keenum can throw the ball. But then I think of a few games where he had terrible outings against, like, the Seahawks. Um, You know, I'm going to... Uh, I, you know, I'll go with the Giants. I'll go with the Giants as well. I think they're hot coming off this win. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is a monster. And you know what? If Eli doesn't turn into Mr. Hyde, I think he'll throw a couple of huge plays to Odell, get him up early, and then try to run the game out as best they can, and hopefully they'll be mistake-free. I'm going to also go with the Giants as well. You know what? I'll say this. If the Giants can't get pressure on the quarterback, we, we might have a ball game here. might be an interesting uh, game. This is, I think it'll certainly be an interesting game. And it'll be first thing in the morning for everybody else who wants to tune into NFL Network or NFL Mobile by Verizon to watch. It's not going to be on national TV. It's like special NFL Network crap. Matt, if I can illegally stream that somehow. Uh, you, of course you can, and I highly encourage it. <laughs> uh, next up on the docket, New Orleans Saints on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Shaka, who you got? This is a strange one, just because we know New Orleans can fill it up at any given time. Mm-hmm. We know the Chiefs have a really good defense, but Marcus Peters can't cover everybody on the goddamn Saints. That being said, I still like Kansas City overall Chiefs. Excuse me, overall defense for the Kansas City Chiefs just trumps one a really, really bad Saints defense. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to bottle them up. They're going to find a way to get some pressure on Drew Brees. I'm going to have to go Kansas City Chiefs on this one. I'm going to agree with you. I think that uh, it should be exciting, but New Orleans' defense is terrible. Drew Brees going on the road. He's not going on the road playing the San Diego Chargers. He's going on the road playing the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, and that's a tough defense. I think the Chiefs are going to smack him in the mouth. Andy Reid knows how to get a team ready for guys like this. I mean, the Chiefs have just got more weapons on defense and more of an ability to move the ball than the Saints do. Well, maybe they can't move the ball as well as the Saints can, but I mean, there's there's too many better playmakers on the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs, and with the Saints in foreign territory, I don't trust them. So i got to go with the Chiefs as well. Absolutely. I think it's going to come down to time of possession, and the Chiefs are just going to hold the football. They're going to run it down their throats. I can, dude, good call. Good call. Uh, next up, Indianapolis Colts on the road against the Tennessee Titans divisional matchup in Tennessee. Shaka, who you got? Oof. Yeah, this is a close um, one. I, I'm thinking about this one here. I need to give it a little bit of uh, thought. That's okay. This is a. It's. I've been thinking about it as well too, because you're talking. You're talking a Chiefs team that's. Tr- uh, excuse me, a Colts team that's trending downward, and a Titans team that's trending upward divisional and you're in Tennessee but yet I don't know if Tennessee has earned enough to try to uh to try to you know earn this win well you know this goes back to what I was saying a little while ago it really comes down to if you can get Marcus Mario a time to sit in the pocket and throw the football he looks he looks like a stud and one we know the Colts offense and the Colts defense is less than pedestrian I, I'm trying to find a nice way to put it <laughs> They're not as know. fucking awful as we thought. <laughs> and we do know that Tennessee Titans' run game is absolutely beastly when they want to. They can switch off. You want Henry, you want DeMarco Murray, you got it. I, I, I kind of have to give the edge to Tennessee in this one. I'm going to have to go Tennessee over the Colts. I am going to agree with you. I think that, uh, 
you know, I kind of feel like this is going to be a statement game for Tennessee. They, you know, Indianapolis has owned that division, but they've got so many problems on defense, so many problems on the offensive line, and I think the magic comes from Andrew Luck. He always finds a way to whip up some magic, but I think that this game will be defined by Marcus Mariota whipping up some magic in the fourth quarter and winning the game for the Titans. That's why I'm going to pick the Titans along with you, Shaka. This should be a high-scoring one, though. I think I think we're going to get some uh, some big plays in that one. I agree with you there. Definitely high-scoring game. Uh, next up on the docket, Cleveland Browns on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. Battle of Ohio, divisional matchup. Shaka, who you got? These games never go as quite as smoothly as I think they should, especially when it comes to the Browns playing either the Ravens or the Bengals. I agree. That being said... Man, Cincinnati does not look good right now. They need to beat up on somebody to kind of get their confidence back. And even then, I'm not even 100% sure they can really go in there and beat up on the Browns. Even <laughs> even with the Browns not being a good football team, I, I'm, I would not be 100% shocked if somehow the Browns managed to come out and win this by a field goal. I hear you. But I'm still... I'm still gonna go Steelers. I'm sorry, not Steelers. I'm still gonna go Bengals in a close one. Yeah, I I agree with you. I still gotta pick the Bengals. I think it's gonna be exactly what you said. It's divisional. It's gonna be unpredictable. I think the Browns are gonna put out a good show and they're gonna, you know, they're really gonna give the Bengals a run for their money, but I think you're right. I think the Bengals need a win. They're at home, they need to beat on somebody, and they've got talent on that team. They've lost some tough games, but they still got AJ Green, they still got Perfect, they still got Pac-Man Jones, like there's still some nasty players on that Bengals team, and I think it's going to be enough for a victory, so I'm also picking the Bengals at home. Next up, Washington Redskins go on the road against the Detroit Lions. Shaka, who you got? This is also a very interesting game. I, this is one of the only ones I've been thinking about beforehand. Mm. Just because the Redskins, the Redskins should not be where they are as a team. They just really have not been that impressive and yet they're not bad looking. Yeah. Which is really amazing to me. Kirk Cousins, you're 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 a mystery of a man. <laughs> that being said, you know, I just really like the Lions offense. I'm really impressed with what they've been able to put together, even after losing Megatron and coming back and having Marvin Jones play so well. Mm-hmm. And if they can get Golden Tate to be a consistent known quantity, they can be really really dangerous. They can be that team that you don't expect to really make the playoffs. Yeah. But they kind of throw everyone else. They throw a monkey wrench in everyone else's plans. Yeah. I'm going to have to go Lions just because I like that offense a little bit more than I like the Redskins offense and defense. Okay. I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. I'm also going to pick the Lions at home. I think the Redskins have been playing, you know, they've been playing a little over their heads. Uh, I think they're going to come back down to earth. I, I kind of feel like this feels like home field type of thing. I think they, these two teams are both evenly matched. They both got issues, but you nailed it. The Lions offense is better than I think people think, and I think they're going to be able to kind of cause some trouble for Captain Kirk and Matt Jones. Um, they'll probably get enough turnovers and big plays to sway the game in their favor. And, you know, the Redskins are on a four-game winning streak, and now they're going on the road. I, you know, they've got some magic over there in Washington, but I think the Lions are a little better than we than their record represents. So I got to agree with you, and I'm going to pick the Lions as well. But this will be a good game. Oh well, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, Marvin Jones versus uh, 
Josh Norman. Dude, definitely. That's going to be one worth watching. Um, next up, we've got the Oakland Raiders on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jack Del Rio going back to Florida to play his old team. Shaka, who you got? Well, Oakland had a really rough game against Kansas City, and I think I, I think they're I think they're fucking fantastic. I think the Raiders are a really good team. Their yeah. defense isn't as great as I think you and I would both like them to be. Mm-hmm. And their running game still has a lot of question marks. Yep. The Jacksonville is just not a good team. They're they're they're, they're underperforming. I agree. And, I, I and, think and they were bad run. even before they were underperforming. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think just the, the amount of talent they have on that team. I think we just expected more from them, and we're not getting it. So I I, I feel like Oakland's going to come in, and they're going to not mess around. They're not going to dick around. They're going to come out early, and they're going to strike and score often just to kind of pound this team's submission on their own field. I'm going to go Oakland okay. in a redemption game. I'm going to pick the Raiders as well. I think they've got way too much firepower over there with Derek Carr and Crabtree and Amari Cooper. They're going to get right back to their winning ways. I think you're totally right. They're going to put up some gaudy numbers on this Jacksonville team. As amazing as you know, Jacksonville's defense should be on paper, in reality, they have not been able to back it up. I mean, pulling out a late-game win against the Chicago Bears is not the same thing as playing this explosive Oakland Raiders offense right now. So no. I'm agreeing with you, man. i got to pick the Raiders on the road as well. It should be it should be fun, though. I'm curious to see how this game plays out. Let's see if uh, Jacksonville can actually persevere and step up. Allen Robinson, where are you? Allen Rob, this is your opportunity, Allen Robinson. Show up and get us some fantasy points. Next up on the docket, the Buffalo Bills go on the road against the Miami Dolphins. Divisional matchup in sunny Florida. Shaka, who you got? Is this going to be the battle of the running backs? Lo and behold, probably the two biggest running backs from last weekend Yeah, are going up head-to-head. You got Shady and uh, Ajayi. Look, man, and nothing's stopping LeSean McCoy except himself. The, the guy's been absolutely on fire the last few weeks, and I, I think... Uh, well, he's going to make a absolute mincemeat out of that Miami Dolphins defense, which is not good. And Ryan Tannehill is kind of a, a coin toss at quarterback. Sometimes he'll give you a nice deep pass, and another time just a, a, a boneheaded interception. So that being said, and the Bills defense probably playing better than a lot of people give credit for. I agree. I agree. So I'm going to have to go Bills. They're going to go in there, and they're going to put up some more gaudy numbers like they have been doing on teams. And they're going to they're gonna beat the pants off the Dolphins. I'm, uh, I'm with you. I'm going to pick the Bills as well. They've just been so hot right now, and the Dolphins make too many mistakes. This is a game. This is a divisional matchup, though, Shaka, where I feel like the Dolphins could squeak out a win. I could they see them... I could see them pulling the carpet out from under the Bills, getting a couple of crucial turnovers at the right times... You know, this could be a field goal at at the buzzer type game that wins it for the Dolphins, but still got to pick the Bills. I mean, the Dolphins have just made too many mistakes for me to think that they're going to be able to sneak this one out from the Bills. I can see it happening, but I got to pick the Bills. Okay. I, I, I see your point. It would actually be a fun game to watch to see the Dolphins give them a run for their money. Yeah, but truth is the Dolphins are just such shit right now. I can't trust them. <laughs> Now, next up, Baltimore Ravens on the road against your New York Jets. Shaka, who you got? This one's going to be very interesting, mainly because, at this point, head coach 
just sitting. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a starting quarterback. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, I think the kind of general consensus, not just with the team, but I think all of everyone else, everyone else who's even paying attention to near Jets at this point, Bravo's just sticking with us along the way, guys. I think the consensus at this point is that Geno Smith should get at least a start to see, you know, has he learned anything? Has he matured? You know, and not just one series where he throws a fucking pick, but put him up against a team. The the Ravens haven't been exceptional defense. They're a good defensive team. They haven't been super exceptional. But I would actually say in terms of uh, competitiveness, I'd say the Ravens probably are on the same level as the Jets in terms of just the offense and the defense yeah. kind of being on par. It'll, it should be an interesting game, but it's going to be even more interesting just seeing who's that quarterback. Yeah. Patrick, I'd still say he's going to be more of a competitive quarterback. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he's not the quarterback of the future at this point. Hey, he's pretty much done his audition and he's done. Yeah. I'd say Legino start, and I still say the Ravens win. So you're you're picking the Ravens, and and you think that Gino is going to start? I think Gino's going to start. I think the Jets just don't have enough firepower at this point to really keep in games, especially Eric Decker was probably a bigger loss than we know. Yeah, yeah. Because he probably sped that offense a little bit more. But him not playing, factored in with everyone just knowing Brandon Marshall's going to be that guy. Yeah. Quincy Nunoa is not that much of a threat. No, I mean, he can't can't fill Eric Decker's shoes. There's just too much unknowns on that Jets offense. And hopefully Matt Forte can still be relevant in the game itself if mm-hmm. it's not too out of hand mm-hmm. but I, I I find it hard to believe also the Jets secondary has been getting torched by absolutely everyone yeah and and you Wait. know Flacco wants to throw it to Wallace Wallace is going to get open at least for one big play at least one and they have Rashad Perriman who also can can uh, get the big the big play I think also Kamar Aiken yeah so they have guys they have guys who can who can light it up? They're just waiting for an opportunity, and I'm sure a couple of them have the Jets secondary on the menu. Okay, okay. So you're picking the Ravens. I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you. This was a tough one because I kind of listen. I it's really I, tough. I think the Ravens are good, but I also don't have as much confidence in them as their record represents. And I also don't think the Jets are as bad as their record represents. I think that Fitzpatrick has been pretty poor. But again, going back to the fact that the Jets started out with a really tough beginning slate to their schedule, you know, I think you're right. I think they probably are going to give Geno Smith a shot. I have less confidence in Geno Smith than Ryan Fitzpatrick. It feels crazy saying that. But I I mean, I want the Jets to pull it out. I think they can pull it out. But I got to pick the Ravens. They're the better team. They're they're the team that I think has been a little bit more consistent right now and you know, it's, it's hard, man. It's really hard. It's you know, I'm gonna go with the Ravens as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you here. It's a tough one. I want to see how it shakes out, and I hope to goodness gracious the Jets pull out a win because they deserve it. They need one really badly, really, really badly. Now, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers go on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Shaka, who you got? Well, Doug Martin hopefully will be back. Hopefully, Tampa Bay Bucks. And because when that guy is actually on the field, he he really changes up the tempo of that 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 Tampa offense. They really need him. Mm-hmm. And Jaquez Rogers has been okay for the one game against the Panthers, but apparently everyone 
Panthers are sorry. Yeah, that Panthers uh, defense. Yeah, you mean the you Niners? The Niners, <laughs> terrible Niners. Oh no, sorry. I mean when uh, when Tampa Bay played the the Panthers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's like right. A stud. But, well, hey, um, I mean, hey, the Panther the Panthers run defense is just as bad as the Niners run defense. That is valid. That's very valid. That being said, Colin Kaepernick. He looked a little rusty. Mm-hmm. He hasn't always been the most accurate quarterback, but I think some of that was rust. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he likes Torrey Smith, so I expect Torrey Smith to have a big game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still. I mean, Do you think this game's going to be a shootout? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, the Tampa Bay defense isn't that great, but I, I don't know if um, the 49ers have enough, have enough firepower to really make this into a shootout game. I'm still going to have to lean Tampa Bay in this. Okay. But it'll be interesting to see if Colin Kaepernick, now that he kind of knows that the the reins are in his hand and he feels a little bit more uh, at home being on the football field, if he can, he can get some of his mojo back. I don't really see it happening, though. I think I think he's just not the same guy without Jim Harbaugh, our coach. Okay. Um, I agree. I, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers on the road. I think the Niners are terrible. I think they've got so many problems that you know even a even a a soft matchup against the Buccaneers is not going to be enough to help them pull it out. This seems like a team that's vulnerable enough that they could defeat Tampa Bay, but you know I got a lot of confidence in Jameis Winston and Mike Evans, and you know even if they do have Jaquiz Rogers out there, I still think that the Buccaneers are going to pull this game out against the Niners. I have no faith in San Francisco. I got to pick Tampa Bay. Next up on the docket, uh, unless you have any more comments about that game. No, I was going to say, that's just a logical choice. Uh, San Diego Chargers on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. Shaka, who you got? Oof. I, you know, there's just, there's just no way I can look at Atlanta and see them not winning yep. every game. Yep. Just the way that that offense is built. Yep. That Ryan looks damn near invincible right now. He yep. looks like he can take on the take on, you know, the world mm-hmm. and win. And you know he's uh, gonna feel comfortable at home in the dome. San Diego's actually played really competitively against everyone, which is I'm gonna really look back at this season and maybe their record won't be great. But at the same time, man, Philip Rivers, you you're a fucking Dude Poor you're, Phillip you're Rivers. Man. Somebody put you're him a on a man. team with some legitimate players. It's just a shame. He's so good. Just a Rolodex of wide receivers, and he still puts up a fight every week. And sometimes he wins. But I just don't see it happening against this Atlanta Falcons team. It just may end up being a shootout. But, you know, everyone's due for a bad game, and I feel like Philip Rivers isn't going to have quite so much of the magic that he has pulled out the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I say Falcons for sure on this one. No, I'm picking the Falcons as well. They're at home. They're looking amazing. They're looking like a Super Bowl contender at this point in time. San Diego, listen, they got a lot of positives, but until they figure out a way to stop making as many mistakes and stop fumbling the ball as much as they do, you know, I can't pick them in Atlanta against the Falcons. AFC, NFC matchup, two teams that don't see each other that much. Atlanta's going to come in, and it's going to be fireworks. I think this will be like a Saints-Chargers game from a few weeks ago. It's going to be a lot of fireworks, but you got to give the favor to the Falcons. Okay, we're almost done. Next up on the docket, New England Patriots going on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Landry Jones. Shaka, who you got? Man, oh man, how much this matchup has changed. Yes, changed so much. The dynamic is completely altered. 
you know, now that we know Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be healthy and not uh, playing. What a, and what a game it would have been, Brady and Roethlisberger. They've been doing this for years. And now Antonio Brown is not as much of a threat to that secondary as he once was. I mean, he runs, still runs amazing routes. He still can get himself open. But it's just not a Ben Roethlisberger that actually deliver the football to him. It's it's going to be hard to really see this as an equal matchup. I Patriots are already a damn good team. They're even better when they don't have a starting quarterback to face off against. Sorry, Landry Jones. I got to go uh, Patriots on this one, one hundred percent. They're gonna they're gonna light them up. I think. I completely agree. I'm picking the Pats. They are rolling, rolling, rolling on a river. And the Steelers are just coming apart at the seams. Roethlisberger not playing, coupled with the fact that they've been laying a couple of stinkers. Like, I think they're going to come out and put on a good show, but they're not going to slow down Brady in this offense. Not right now. Not with who they've got. And even if they do slow them down, they don't have the offense to compete. Got to pick the Pats. Sunday Night Football. Seattle Seahawks on the road against the Arizona Cardinals divisional smash mouth matchup. Shaka, who you got? Man, this is a good game. Good, get, great Arizona's game. Arizona's really, really, really good at home. But Seattle, man, Seattle just they they find ways to win. They yep. find ways to pull it out. Yep. And this is not the and Cardinals team from last year where I would have maybe given some some love and some benefit to the Cardinals. I don't know if I can feel that way now. Cardinals are a little bit dicey. They're 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 not a hundred percent known quantity. Just more so, I'd say again, it's Carson Palmer quarterback. If he's not if he's not a hundred percent, everything kind of gets wonky. Even with David Johnson as your running back, they still have to go up against the Legion of Boom, who's very very tough on the run. So he may not be able to find all the easy open holes that he found against the Jets. I um I just like Russell Wilson, the quarterback. The guy's a winner. He finds ways to win. Yep. And I have to go in a slight edge, slight edge. I'm going to go Seahawks going in and pulling one out in Arizona. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I think that, that you know this is going to be a great matchup. This t- this game is well more deserving of Sunday Night Football than Colts Texans. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think it's going to be smash mouth. Whereas the Cardinals, I think, were ready for this game last year. You know, they the Seahawks. You said it. They pull out games and they find ways to just kind of make the, make the other team make that mistake. They'll get that interception. They'll get that fumble right when they need it. And, you know, with the ineptitudes that I've seen with the passing game for the Cardinals right now, I think even David Johnson running all over the place is not going to necessarily be enough for the Cardinals to to find a way to, to squeak out a win. I got to agree with you. I'm picking the Seahawks as well. It's going to be close, but Seahawks. Finally... Monday Night Football, to end the docket, Shaka, Houston Texans go on the road against the Denver Broncos. Brock Osweiler facing his old team. Shaka, who you got? I mean, besides the fact that it's a compelling storyline to have kind of the the, the, the spurned quarterback storyline, this really this doesn't feel like a Monday Night game. No, it doesn't. Just because the Texans aren't that good, I think people were expecting them to be. But, man, um... Denver also needs a win. I think uh, Trevor Simeon, both of these quarterbacks are kind of in the same boat where they just have not looked like starting quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They just look pedestrian at best. Mm-hmm. And they both kind of need... It would be great if we actually had a quarterback showdown. Like, we just had, like, a barn burner with three touchdowns on both sides. Yeah, but you but know they're, you know happen. these two guys are not going to do that. 
this is going to be kind of an ugly interception, two picks each kind of game. And this one's ultimately going to come down to uh, who can run the football better. Mm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go in a slight edge. I'm going to have to go Denver Broncos. They, they have a little bit more on the offensive side right now. And I actually like Simeon a little bit better than I like Osweiler at quarterback. I totally uh, agree. Broncos. Totally agree, Shaka. I'm, I'm picking the Broncos as well. This uh, I think that uh, they are going to run the ball. I think their defense is stronger than Houston. I think... I actually think Simeon can probably move the ball almost better than Osweiler can right now, but you called it. I think you're going to see some poor throwing by them. You're going to see some interceptions, and and you called it, man. You're going to the run game is going to be the decision maker, and I think the Denver Broncos are going to find a way to run the ball better than the Houston Texans. And you know both teams are four and two, but I think it's pretty clear Denver's a better team than Houston right now. Uh, so I got to also agree with you and pick the Broncos. Dude, we agreed on every single pick for next week. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? That hasn't happened yet. That has not happened yet. That is definitely a first for the two of us. But you know what? Wow. Great, great minds think alike. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Shaka, that is all we have for Sam Sports Podcast today. Dude, you're the best. Thanks for coming on. Um I'm gonna do, dude. I'm gonna do my spiel as I normally do. Subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Email me or Shaka at samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, holler at me if you've got any fantasy football questions. Hopefully this gets you one step closer to winning your fantasy football league. We enjoy coming on this show every week to talk some football. We hope you enjoy listening as well. Uh, get ready for week seven. Shaka, any final words before we sign off? Hunter Henry, goddammit. He's the real deal. If he's on your uh, free agent wire, pick him up. Yeah, you heard it here first off. Hunter Henry, if you need a tight end, go get him. Because I tell you right now, I'm going to go look for him on a few of my teams. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, that's all we got for today. Everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, we will talk to you soon. This is uh, Sam, and, uh, Sam and Shaka signing off. Adios, guys.